Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, December 1st, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I've got a good show planned for you. Some follow-ups on the story we discussed yesterday and kind of continuation of the story in general, the day after the supposed ceasefire and a lot of what we predicted is literally happening right in front of us. Before we get into anything else, I keep forgetting to do this, and I wanted to make sure that I shouted this out in general, as well as pretty much anybody else out there that's ever sent anything that people send us stuff. And a lot of the times I get busy and things fall by the wayside, but I just people that sending things, whether it's just a donation or a letter or something like this, I'm going to show you. It just it means more than you could possibly know to me and everybody else here. It's it's. It's stuff like this that makes me realize not only that we've built an amazing community here, but that the people inside that community are the kind of people that I, that I, that the kind of personality and the kind of compassion and empathy that I hope I'm building in this community that I project and try to be and strive to be. Things like this, I just thought were really amazing. Somebody made a quilt. It says the last American vagabond, if you can see that, I'm not holding it up very well. Look at that. Somebody made this by hand and made this quilt and then sent a holder for it as well. And I just wanted to really, I wanted to say that it means more than you could possibly know. Something like that to take so much time to put together. And I just wanted to just shout out our community in general and all the amazing people within it. And on that note in general, I've got something I'm supposed to sign the, a book I'm supposed to send back to somebody that I still haven't gotten to from like three months ago. In general, just know that there, these things I don't get lost on me. The stuff that people send, handmade knives or different pictures or somebody, a really close friend of mine here locally, close to, you know, through this field in general that that I know very well, painted a picture of my my wonderful pup that passed away, Aries. And just things like that. We got something special here, guys. I just want you to know that. Now, we're going to get into, as I said, some important follow-ups in regard to that story that we discussed yesterday that is now kind of making its way through the different media areas. And this is in the 972 article in regard to the, uh, and I keep saying this wrong, frustratingly, or the hashtag, it's Habsora, which is not, not Hasbara, very similar term. This is Habsora, which means the gospel. It's an Israeli term that is, it really just stands for this artificial intelligence platform that they're using to decide who to bomb in Gaza. And we went over this yesterday. I'm not going to go into it incredibly deep today, but really watch the show from yesterday. I read through the, not the entire article, but all of the important parts through this article. It took about an hour to go through this in my different discussion points, because this is really important. Not only does it show you this this step into artificial intelligence, even borderline making its own decisions on who to kill but also the idea that it's provable. 
This article has multiple, I think it's eight different sources, right back to the IDF, Israeli intelligence, both former and current, admitting on the record, not only are they deliberately killing civilians, but in many cases doing so just to shock the entire Palestinian people, but in hopes that that might in some way negatively affect Hamas. And in some cases, yes, bombing like the Jibli refugee camp in hopes that they get one Hamas member. On the record, this is the policy, not an accident, not some kind of damage control. It's what they're doing and admitting that sometimes we just take down buildings just to take down buildings on the record, guys. It's a really important story. So make sure you go through that or just read the article yourself. We're going to follow up on that today because even The Guardian just confirmed that that is, in fact, what's going on. They have, as we've said a long time ago, officially lost control of the story. We also have a plan that was drawn up per Netanyahu's direction, and it explicitly actually says, I just want to read it exactly from, I think I quoted it exactly on the title, but it basically, it says explicitly examines ways to thin the population in Gaza to a minimum, but don't worry guys, they're only going after Hamas as Biden keeps telling you. It's just, it's, it's literally, it's the reality in your face. I mean, this might as well be what, like somebody telling you that the air you're breathing is water. I mean, that's how crazy this is. It's all right in front of you. And you just go, oh, well, I guess this just, we must breathe water then. See, because that's what I'm supposed to think. As opposed to just acknowledging that it's air in front of you and it's very obvious. And everything in history proves that. We're in a situation where the reality is blatant. Their admissions are blatant. Their own technology proves what we're discussing. The plans they're drawing up make it clear it's not only genocide and ethnic cleansing, but that they are doing so not just for Hamas, but all of Palestine. And we just take the word of somebody who is directly tied in with people who benefit from the agenda. Some people do anyway. We're also going to talk about the beginning, the continuation of what has actually never stopped. The ceasefire was an illusion in the first place. It wasn't a ceasefire. It was some kind of weird pause that they always intended to return to, despite what Biden was saying. And the reason I say that didn't even really happen is because, as even Sky News is reporting, and I was telling you during the time, they were bombing both what they claimed were Hamas-connected something in, in West Bank, but also just killing Palestinians openly. So either, as I've said before, if they were at a truce or a ceasefire or a pause with Hamas, well, then they clearly violated that ceasefire. It wasn't just Gaza. It was a ceasefire with Hamas. Or if you want to claim they weren't doing that, so it wasn't a violation of ceasefire, then they're just murdering Palestinians. So you can't pretend that it's what has to be. The point is that if you claim that there is Hamas there, then obviously they violated the ceasefire by bombing them over there. Or it's not just about Hamas. I think that's very obvious. And the only people still trying to push that lie are people that are invested in the lie. I think that's very clear. Now, we're also going to go through and talk about the ongoing kind of, again, the reinitiation continuation of the same things, targeting children, bombing journalists, killing, bombing and, and, and demolishing residential buildings. And we're also going to go into an interesting story that ties back into Ukraine again. But I think it's very important why this is coming out right now. Apparently today, or rather yesterday, the argument is that Russia bombed a building and it collapsed and buried everybody under the rubble. Very interesting timing right after the story of how they're bringing down entire buildings just to bring them down. And it's being admitted to by the IDF. And all of a sudden this happens over here. Now, is Russia capable of that? Of course they are. But it 
is interesting to find out that everything comes directly from the Ukrainian military saying this happened. Even using the munitions that I can prove were secretly sent by the United States to Ukraine per the Washington, or Wall Street Journal. But all that really proves is that we don't know. But as usual, all of the corporate media says exactly what Ukraine told them to say, just like it's happening in Israel. And this is the obvious game of maintaining, well, <laughs> trying to regain control of the narrative. And we're also going to finish with some discussion around more of the fake news that is just, I mean, guys, overwhelming. I, I almost, I had to put off so many things. And I almost, I have a sneaking suspicion that one of the agendas right now, because they know they have lost control of the narrative, is to flood the conversation with almost provably false things. So many of them that people have to kind of knock them down. Well, here's, that's fake and here, but it's easy to see. Like saying, here's a person saying, kill all the Jews in Arabic and you're, and Everybody in Arabic says, well, that's not even what they're saying. Debunked, and they just move to the next one. And I think there's a, or just people that are that clumsy. My point is that so much of it, it just wasn't even worth getting into. Point, like claims of people being faking what's happening. And it just, it's really, it's when, even if there are fakes out there, which happen on any side of any conversation, seemingly as far back as you want to look, you don't need to point that out. Or rather, the argument is that that fake thing undermines that, that, what, they're not killing children? I think that's pretty damn obvious. Even Israel's admitting that it's just, well, it's Hamas's fault. So yet the argument that, you know, it's it's overwhelming the amount of disinformation. I've never seen it like this in my life. And I think it really does show you where the source, not all of it, but the, the primary source of where most of this has been stemming from, the Zionist agenda. And I think that's very clear. That's, and so what's funny is that's always been framed as racist, even though it's insultingly, obviously not. It's a, a political party. We've gone over this intently or intensively, excuse me. So the point is when we can recognize that the reason it's been so, you know, shrouded in, in any criticism being racism. And even our U.S. Congress just voted that anti-Zionism anti is anti-Semitism. Uh, anti it's just, it's so, in, it's. In, in, any honest, objective person can say, well, that's just stupid because obviously somebody can be against a political entity or the Zionist government and they don't just automatically hate Jews. Their argument is, well, then you just don't know that you do. It's like, and as I've said, probably 50,000 times to start it, this is why people are beginning to see through it. So let's start today with this clip that I showed you just so you could see that, so you can actually see the, uh, poster themselves, which was uh, Rania, but I believe that she, I don't actually know where, what group she's with now. I know that she used to be with uh, a few different ones, but I haven't seen, they shouldn't have a list in our thing anymore, but you guys are familiar with Rania. She, she posted this and really just, it's a just disgusting picture of exactly what we're always talking about. As she wrote the subhuman genocidal occupation forces, as they just sit here and enjoy watching. So here's the point to understand in this. You've seen this in like us stuff as well where, you know, U.S. personnel are bombing something and they all enjoy, well, I think most people would find some sort of enjoyment by watching things explode or destruction. Some people. But that's usually when these are evacuated areas or a wartime area where civilians are not a part of. This is them sitting around watching from the typical area where settlers sit and watch and eat popcorn, as even the Guardian's written about, and watch them bomb civilian areas as they literally bomb a gigantic civilian area that is not a pinpoint destruction of hamas right there that's a huge bombing of a gigantic multiple buildings right there and they all go hooray and cheer as they bomb where they know civilians are 
That is a special kind of brutality. That's what you need to understand. Now, before we come back to that, I wanted to open with a couple of two, actually just one quick point I thought was very relevant to all this. The United Nations posted this so far. Nearly 12,000 children have been vaccinated at the health centers in Gaza. This And this is the Palestinian Refugee Agency. 12,000. Now, I, we just saw what they brought in. They said they brought in, what, 7,000 and something, something like around that, injections. And now suddenly they're seeing 12,000 vaccinated. That, first of all, just doesn't even line up with what they, what they brought in. But that who knows, that could just be a discrepancy with the numbers. But this is saying, as they warn of eminent outbreaks of waterborne disease and emergence of hepatitis and skin disease. Well, okay, so my obvious question was, injected with what? It just says they've been vaccinated. So were they, did they get multiple injections? Well, that's not what you said when you brought in individual injections. You stated a number. So that meant it was one thing. So when you're talking about waterborne diseases, emergence of hepatitis, are we talking about some multi-bound thing that's probably dangerous? Or are you talking about COVID-19 injections, which wouldn't apply to what you list? I don't know. But it sure as hell concerns me for many different reasons. And I said, why is this the focus? Instead of addressing the reason that these issues are present to begin with, you know, the illegal Israeli siege that's causing the problem. This feels manipulative to me. And these all had to go pass through Israel's control to get here. So we should obviously keep an eye on this. I said this before. All of a sudden, if we start seeing some kind of an outbreak of the very same problem they say is outbreaking elsewhere, well, we should be very suspicious about that. But also, the very big concern for me, that it's not out of the realm of possibility for this to have been manipulated, especially by somebody like Israel. Or the reality, especially when you know that these are people that they're literally calling terrorists, human animals. There's nobody there innocent. So let's put, let's, let's put aside the illusion and the childish game of pretending like they don't just want to kill all these Palestinians. They have said as much. That's not contentious. That's why you international rights lawyers are saying it, the intent is the hardest part usually, and they made that clear. They've already stated their intent to kill all these people. So my concern is things like the historical conversations of well, they're, they're disputed, as most of these stories are, but th- pe- locations in Africa, I think Kenya is one of them, saying our, I think it was tetanus vaccinations, were, they included a protein that was either by byproduct or explicitly designed to create infertility. Or we can talk about the, the discussions in India or the different Bill Gates connected concepts that have literally led to that exact accidental problem. So my concern would be if this would be something else. And let's you have to realize, as we've made clear before, the UN is a gigantic en- entity. Now, this does not mean just because some of these people that are working on the ground have been screaming about how Israel's murdering their people does not then mean that that would forego some larger agenda. These are all hypothetical. I'm just putting this in your mind so we can keep this in the story as we go forward, because this will be quickly forgotten about. In a month, suddenly something happens, or two weeks. Probably a lot will have happened since then, and we might forget about this. So this person simply says, considering, oh, oh, this was the link that this is where I was. This is the link they were referencing. Now it's it's not confirmed. It's it's a somebody says and they deny and kind of a story. So the point is generally that we know historically there have been injections that have led to those problems. A lot of them say it's some kind of an accidental thing, or like we've talked about the different byproducts of the things they've used, like the aluminums or the endocrine disrupting chemicals. But my point is that this is not the thing that should be happening while the problem, it's it's like a, it's a bandaid on a bullet hole, right? You're watching people who are struggling and going, here's an injection that might 
help you from the problem as opposed to just stopping the thing that's causing sewage to run through the streets, right? Right. It, to pretend giving them these injections is, I mean, and on top of that, quite frankly, when we know what we're dealing with and people that have no clear reason to be safe with these, have, we've proven the intent is my point. These things probably hurt people anyway. Now, that probably scared people away. Oh, no, we got any vaxxers here. No, I'm talking about the intent and the people running them. You know, the CDC and the FDA that have been caught lying in the most astronomical ways. Huge, high level, resign people resigning in protest because they're lying or covering up. And yet there's still people hugging their ears and going, trust the science. My point has always been the intent and the people within that, not necessarily that everything within vaccinology is somehow evil and wrong. I don't know, in fact, because my understanding comes from those same people growing up and being taught about these things. So if what we understand is correct, well, there I argue there's probably some benefit, but it should be your choice. So when this goes on from the same time, what we just came from, we should be very concerned about that. Now, Robin Meinhard points out, Gaza did not comply with the COVID mandates and fared much better than the highly vaxxed Israelis. And he breaks this down with some different, you can check out these links and there's down here is the link specifically to one of the studies from before. It makes an excellent point that obviously, and this is not hard to wrap your mind around, when you compare this, it's a peer-reviewed study, you can read it, but it's before COVID and before all this, 2019, I think, basically says that, you know, Gaza's worse off in pretty much every way, health in health regard, regarding health, except when it came to this discussion. And, and think about how crazy that is. Seeing as how this was Pfizer's lab, right? The one that's supposed to be the best, even though it killed the most people. And everybody, all, most Israelis got multiple Pfizer shots. And yet, when you look back, it's weird how Gaza fared better. You see this? It's, it's, it's like every other conversation. You already know the truth. Whether you choose to admit it to yourself or not, the evidence is clear. Just like with what we're watching today. It's right there. So now, again, I'm worried about what might happen with these injections they just gave them. Now, on that note, let's get into the, the pretty much the main topic for today, which is the conversation of the Habsara artificial intelligence platform that is basically deciding for the IDF who they will kill. Now, this was the, story, the discussion from yesterday. The IDF insiders admit to deliberately civilian bomb... To, admit to deliberate civilian bombings and the AI mass assassination factory, which is what one of these IDF members called it, the mass assassination factory. Now this, by the way, I want to make this point. This is Jason again, posting this from yesterday's show. And I appreciate it. He said, Ryan, once again, ahead of the curve, examining some of the most important information that's been released since October 7th about the authorization to bomb non-military targets. Now, just for you guys to remember again, maybe I should change the, the, the image. When I first started this a long time ago, even the name was different. But it has evolved to become just the T-Lav account. I'm not the only one that posts this account. Jason is now one of the people as well that posts through here and posts different, you know, spotlights and different things. I just reached out and said, maybe you shouldn't frame it in the third person because apparently everybody's like, Ryan, that's dumb. Don't talk in the third person. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Jason's posting those. Anyway, my point is just to once again, make sure you guys hear that there's other people posting through the account. And so just understand that. I think that's important. But also... Shout out to Jason Bassler for his amazing work in regard to these spotlights and the different ways we're highlighting the different work on T-Lab. Now, we're going to get into that point. I'm not going to read this through again, but the article is 972 from 972 Magazine, a mass assassination factory inside Israel's calculated bombing of Gaza. November 30th. Now, just the main point, so you see it, is the discussion of what they call 
Habsora. See, I said it wrong again. Gosh darn it. I can't get that right in my mind. I keep saying Habsora and I keep forgetting it. Habsora. H-A-B-S-O-R-A. I think my mind mixes it up with Hasbara, and that's why. But the point is, this is what it stands for is the gospel. And it is the, as it says, the widespread use of a system which largely built on artificial intelligence and can generate targets almost automatically at a rate that far exceeds what is previously possible. And the article discusses how it not not tens of thousands of their analysts wouldn't be able to comb through this. So what they're admitting is that they, in real time, use what this proposes and they fire knowing that they could not comb 10,000 of their people couldn't comb through the information and decide. So they are taking what this tells them to fire on and just pressing the button. So, I mean, it might as well just be the AI firing. That's their, that's their admission. And on top of that, it says that their, their leadership are, are incentivizing, almost pressuring them to find more targets than anybody else. That's, I mean, that's how they're graded based on how many targets they end up firing on. So the point is, it's clear the leadership is like, just go. Don't look, don't consider, don't think, just press the button. It also gives them sort of a, a way of not telling themselves they're not just murdering civilians. Because a lot of these IDF people are just regular people that are going through the military. They're not all as crazy as the Zionist government. And I think this is a way of sort of like in a firing line, historically, you have 10 people or, you know, some people do that. And only one of them has a bullet and they all fire. And so they don't really know who's the one that killed the person. So they don't have to live with that. It's kind of, I think there's a part of that to this. The over the real point, though, is when you read through this and I'll read you directly from the person who I saw this from first, Arnaud Bertrand, who's doing great work, is that this is about not just how they're arbitrarily deciding with a bomb, but within this admission, the the IDF members, but also the actual platform itself makes clear that they're deliberately deliberately trying to hurt the civilian population, deliberately trying to collapse the civil infrastructure. That's direct quotes. So that that might hinder Hamas. So if you don't understand what that means, that means that they would, they, this is admitting that they will destroy everything in Gaza if they think that will achieve their goal. And now realize that's coming from IDF members. My, my opinion is that from a Zionist leadership high level, they're going after Palestine. And Hamas is a justification for that. But this is what it says. He says, this might be the most important piece of journalism on the war since Gaza began. Since th- th- this, this part began. It says, essentially, they confirm with unimpeachable sourcing. It's like eight different members, both current and former, in intelligence and the IDF, that the killing of civilians was all calculated and intentional. Their investigation is, quote, based on conversations with seven current and former members, oh, seven, of Israel's intelligence community, including military intelligence and Air Force personnel who were involved in Israeli operations in the Strip. In addition to Palestinian testimonies, data, date, data, and, co- and documentation from Gaza Strip, the official statements by the IDF spokespersons and Israeli state institutions. That's about as well sources as you can get. Doesn't necessarily prove that it's all true. Question everything. But if you're going to question, like if you're going to question this, well, you damn well better question Israel says when Netanyahu goes, this is what you're supposed to think. And people blindly go with that, right? This is the opposite of what they're saying with seven different, I mean, with about the best kind of sourcing you can get. But that just like intelligence telling New York Times, they could be lying. But when you add this up along with everything else we're seeing and all the other admissions and all the documentation, it's quite obvious what's happening. And then on top of that, we'll get to the next part, which is that the Guardian has just confirmed this. Yes, this is what's happening. 
And not just because the Guardian says so, but because it's that obvious that they seem, I guess, have to confirm it. Or to with the point we also make, alternatively, there's a there may be a reason they want us looking at this. So keep that in your mind. But even if that is the case, that does not mean we should ignore it or not take the win, which is highlighting that the belligerent, genocidal Zionist government is definitely trying to murder people. But then also just be careful and not fall into whatever trap they're using that truth to trap us with. Now, it says what the investigation reveals is that the Israeli army has files on the vast majority of potential targets in Gaza, including homes, which stipulate the number of civilians who are likely to be killed in an attack on a particular target. So, again, very specific information about how many people they will kill. And they decide to do it. It's not like they just hope they don't kill them. Or as we'll get to in a second, as Elon clumsily says, they do everything they can to not kill them. No, they don't. But now on the record, they do not. They just go, yeah, that's enough. It's okay. As long as we kill him, they're just casuals or casualties. And one of the other big parts is the idea of how they break down the different groups. Power targets are, I think, something like 70% of what they've been hitting both here and in the past wars per their admission. And that, by definition, means civilian buildings, schools, hospitals. In some of their, as they uh, was a direct quote, taking down buildings just to take down buildings. If that some way scare the population to stop supporting Hamas, that guys is an admission to collective punishment along with a lot more. Now it says the Israeli, they have the files, uh, which stipulate the number of civilians that might be killed. This number is calculated and known in advance to the army's intelligence units who also know shortly before carrying out an attack, roughly how many civilians are certain to be killed. Now, an interesting admission by Blinken who is increasingly showing himself to be clumsy in his job, makes this case. I think it was an accident, quite frankly. And I'll show you what I mean in a second. One source told them, quote, nothing happens by accident. When a three-year-old girl is killed in a home in Gaza, it's because someone in the army decided it wasn't a big deal for her to be killed. That it was a price worth paying in order to hit another target. He says, we are not Hamas. These are not random rockets. Everything is intentional. We know exactly how much collateral damage there will be in every home. It's an interesting way. He almost admits that Hamas is not targeting civilians, but rather they always use the idea that their rocket systems don't have guidance, which therefore means it could hit civilians. Therefore, they're aiming at civilians. Well, that's very different, isn't it? Even more dystopian, as this might be a first in history of warfare, a lot of the targets are identified by artificial intelligence. As far as I can tell, almost all of them. That's per what they state in this article. It says, for instance, and this is uh, Arnaud speaking. They, quote, use a system called Hobsora, meaning the gospel, which is largely built on artificial intelligence and can generate targets almost automatically at a rate that far exceeds what was possible for this AI system, as described by a former intelligence officer, essentially facilitates a mass assassination factory. Like, imagine stating that as your opinion. And then still, people still disputing, like, and then literally being able to see it. And the only thing challenging that it's obvious genocide and obvious mass assassination is that you simply go, well, it's Hamas's fault. They did it. They did what? They built the system? No. They fired? No. They did something over here. Okay, then they should be accountable for that. Explain for me why 50 plus days later, your targeted civilian killings is Hamas's fault. You can't because that's absurd. But they're still going with that. It's just not working. 
According to the sources, the increasing use of AI-based systems like Habsora allows the army to carry out strikes on residential homes where a single Hamas member lives, or they might think they live, and that's admitted in the article too, on a massive scale, even though even those who are junior Hamas operatives. One of the things they admit, one of these IDF members, or rather I think it's one of the intelligence operatives, says that we understand this to be basically an excuse. But they just go, oh, well, he's on that floor, so bomb the building. When really it comes down to this, as he says then, just bombing buildings to bomb buildings. It says, I'm not going to copy this person, Arnaud points out, I'm not going to copy paste the whole thing. You have to read it, which I agree. Even more, even more than what I went over yesterday. You've got to read this thing all the way through. They've essentially been running, as the sources say, a mass assassination factory at a terrifying scale with massive and, importantly, intended collateral, collateral damage. Often the target's entire families, or even sometimes much of their neighborhood, without even telling anybody. Even Amnesty International reported that. Alongside an objective to destroy much of Gaza to create a shock. That's collective punishment. These are on-the-record war crimes. All in, on a population that had nothing to, nowhere to escape. And still don't. It'll likely remain in history books as one of the most depraved massacres in modern history. Assuming we can comb through all of the, ha- the Hasbara propaganda that is drowning all of the social media platforms right now. Even though nobody's believing it. It's just everywhere. Now, as, as uh, Decensored News points out, and this is what I was referencing from Anthony Blinken before we continue on the story. This is what he said on the record on the 30th, yesterday. Israel has one of the most sophisticated militaries in the world. It is capable of neutralizing the threat posed by Hamas while minimizing harm to innocent men, women, and children. Yeah, do you realize why that was a mistake? Because what he's essentially saying without realizing it, because I guess he's just not that bright, is that they're not doing that. Like, it, it doesn't take an high intelligence to be able to look at what's going on and say, well, then clearly they're not doing that. You can't pretend that, I mean, I think there's images down here. Somebody had an image. Maybe not. I think I didn't, maybe I didn't include it. You know, the images we've seen of just entire city blocks destroyed. So if your argument is that they have the ability to do actually what I'll show you in a second, and we'll make fun of this guy yet again, this is what they're claiming. Okay. Then why isn't that what's happening? Are we to pretend that the entire residential city block was all Hamas members? That's obviously not true. Even if they claim that, they would need to prove that. But the point overall is that he's telling you that they have the ability to do that, to minimize civilian casualties. And yet we see, I don't think per capita is the right word, but based on the size of the area and the time this has been going on, in history unprecedented. The amount of civilians and what it were, I think it's about 70% of who they've killed have been women and children. You can't pretend that that's, that that's what they're doing. It says, even a conservative assessment, this is per the New York Times, of the reported Gaza casualty figures show that the rate of death during Israel's assault has few precedents in this century. More children have been killed in Gaza since the Israeli assault began than in the world's major conflict zones combined. Across two dozen countries during all of the last year, even with the war in Ukraine. They just can't, let me just read that last part again, because I, I, even when I just I referenced this article recently, and I didn't say this is in the article. More children in fifty plus days have been killed in Gaza since the Israeli assault began than in the world's major conflict zones combined across two dozen countries during all of last year, even including Ukraine. Then let's read his statement again. Israel has one of the most sophisticated militaries in the world. It is capable of neutralizing the threat posed by Hamas while minimizing harm to civilian men and women and children. 
So then by basic deductive logic, they're just not doing that. Okay. Just, I hope that's very, very clear. And then he cites the article, the one we were just, oh, well, actually, no, this is a different one. We didn't read this one. Arnaud Batrand writes, this is essentially Blinken, consciously or not, admitting that Israel killing civilians was intentional, since its sophisticated military is capable not to. I agree. Now, he also points out the Guardian has confirmed this investigation and how they're using AI to bomb targets in Gaza at an unprecedented rate, powering a mass assassination factory, in which the emphasis is on quantity, not quality. By the way, which was also stated in the article, which, which goes back right to the beginning statement of damage, not accuracy. They just say it a different way. Emphasis on quantity, not quality. Meaning we're not pinpointing Hamas. Meaning we are being indiscriminate with our bombing. Now, I just realized, by the way, that I was going to go through this and, oh, of course they did that. That's hilarious. Well, you know, what? I'm going to leave it like this for now anyway, since I forgot to highlight it. I was going to go through and highlight these and I realized I forgot to do that. But the reason I said that for the podcast is all of a sudden it, it was open and now it just went to behind a paywall. Funny how that works in real time. But what is pointing out, it's probably the most dystopian revelation of the war so far. All these women and children killed are literally selected as targets by a machine. Now, this person simply says, how many, how are they any different from Hamas? It's a, an objectively fair statement, right? If they're targeting civilians, which is what they say Hamas is, why there is the big bad thing that they are. And nobody over here is claiming that they're not something we should be concerned about. Especially since we know that Netanyahu has been propping them up and, that, and funding them per Haaretz. In fact, no, I think I already deleted it. Let me see. Nope, it's right there. Just so you can hear it again. I, we played it yesterday, but I got apparently Dave Smith is just blowing up all over the place. I think he deserves it after that absolute annihilation of Laura Ridiculous. Gonna sound like a conspiracy theory if you haven't heard this before, but this is totally 100% true. It was Benjamin Netanyahu's strategy for years to prop up Hamas, specifically because then there would be no negotiating a state for the Palestinians because no one in the international community is going to look at Hamas, this terrorist organization and say, yeah, we recognize them. So the plan was to undermine the more secular Palestinian authority types so that they wouldn't be in control. Hamas would be in control and then no one would ever negotiate their state. Oh, so just Jesus. to be clear here, this is, and, and by the way, I mean, the, you can find direct quotes from Benjamin Netanyahu saying this in his own words, saying that you must support Hamas. We must continue funding and supporting Hamas so that they can never get a state specifically for that intended reason. So basically what Benjamin Netanyahu did was for years, prop up this terrorist organization and then fail to defend his people from them on October 7th. It's, it's mind-boggling to me that this element gets left out of the conversation in mm. America. But by the way, it's not left out of the conversation in Israel. Like, their newspapers are all talking about this, how this plan blew up in his face. Yep. What's even more amazing is that this, like, to us, we're like, well, yeah, how, how do you not know that? It's literally posted all over the place. But it's because people in corporate media land or people that watch corporate media land have no clue about this stuff. Even the person that was moderating the debate while he was debating. For years, Netanyahu propped up Hamas. Now it's blowing up in our faces. That was the day after this happened. The day after their supposed 
They were going, you did this, Netanyahu. So it's just, a, it's insulting to everybody's intelligence to not include that in the conversation. <laughs> My computer's broken. So how are they different from Hamas? Right? What are they saying? Well, they're targeting. They're targeting. They're, they're, they, they, they targeted civilians. Well, even that is actually debatable based on all the new information about October 7th. But I also don't think that this, like my point in saying that is we know they took civilians, but I, who knows whether that was people that didn't know or so on, but it's obvious that they committed a crime, whether or not they knew they were civilians or somebody took them not knowing and blah, blah, blah. But what's different is whether they were targeting, killing and raping and mutilating, which is what the story became. I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they're being, we're being lied to about that. Not to say that it's not possible, but in return in reverse, well, we now have the evidence that not only are they committing one of the most obvious genocides in history, but they're choosing to, that they're targeting civilians, which, by the way, if you've been paying attention long before October 7th, you'd be like, well, duh, it's obvious. They talk about it. Amnesty has covered this. Human Rights Watch has proved that. UN has called them out for decades. Yeah, but, but, but we're still breaking it down in corporate media. It's embarrassing. But this person says Hamas killed proportionally less civilians on October 7th by many orders of magnitude. So the person just simply saying that you know, well, this they killed a hell of a lot more people going forward. So should like that person's response that day when they were asked, what about October 7th? That he went on to, to in, in repetition, say, what about October 8th? What about October 9th? What about October 10th? And went all the way to, October, to November 8th. So the guy just ended up walking away. Because the point is, well, if you're going to make the argument, well, yeah, we care about that day. People died. Civilians died. And we care, as we've said every single time it comes up. But why don't you want to talk about all the civilians that have been killed since? Even if you want to go on and say Hamas is fault, well, that's your that's your argument, and there's a hell of a lot of information that seems to undermine it. That's even the reality. But Israel's the one continuing to bomb. At what point is there like if this went on for ten years, would that still be them defending themselves? How do you make that argument? At some point, there has to be a line. And the argument, the clear reality is that line was crossed thirty seconds after this started because there was a lot of other things that could have happened. Instead, as we now know, they chose to decimate Palestine. This person says that's irrelevant that they've killed more people since. Irrelevant. Hamas targets civilians. Israel targets Hamas. Every death on both sides is the result of Hamas's actions. Like, think about the absolutism there. Like, that's such a childish, binary, naive statement. Every death on both sides is the result of Hamas's actions. So if if an IDF member went in and just shot someone in the head today, that would be Hamas's fault. Well, that's what they're basically saying. But let's just take it back to say, okay, they're bombing after Hamas. Well, we've proven, even corporate media has had to admit countless examples of civilian locations that do not have military objectives. Amnesty broke this down, I believe, in this one right here. No, no, sorry, that's the torture one. I don't have it up today. But they broke it down with the five different things that they proved, the five different incidents they investigated, and they were only one of them had any connection to Hamas. And they even proved that he wasn't even there that day. So the reality is that that's a childishly stupid statement. And I simply said, it's cute that you think these couched responses where he says, well, in response to the same thing, Israel's defending itself. That's how. Okay. So by target, so obviously he didn't read the article by targeting civilians. You're just, they're defending themselves, even though they've now, well, I think I say it right here. I said, it's cute that you think that these couched responses change anyone's mind as Israel murders children on live TV. By the way, they've shifted into the right to protect itself, right? We talked about this yesterday. So I said, I guess you didn't get the memo because no one 
accepts 50 plus days of carpet bombing as defending yourself. Literally nobody. Now, the Guardian, the Gospel, or Hobsara. How Israel, by the way, which they don't list. Isn't that interesting? Well, it's Habsara, right? Make sure I'm not getting it wrong again. Habsora. See, how, do, okay, what is, there's something, some kind of brain glitch with me with this word. Habsora. Same point, though. I looked it up earlier. So they don't have it listed in here. Isn't that strange? That, so it, it's, you know, it's almost like the word Hasbara. People act like that's some kind of racist trope. It's a very provable thing. It's like, it's like the Hannibal Directive. It's on the record. They literally talk about it. When you actually engage with that, they even have a, like a minister of Hasbara. Or I don't think they use the word minister, but there's de- it's very public. So my point is that it's strange they don't use these words. Wouldn't you use the term they use to describe it? They don't call it the gospel. Oh, they do in Hebrew, but it's interesting, right? But it says how Israel uses AI to select bombing targets in Gaza. Now understand, this is a wildly watered down discussion. But even then, it is still very damning. Now, on that note, Please make sure you watch this show to really understand how very obvious this all is. We have things like this weirdly popping up directly after this story comes out. All right, so this was today. This one was yesterday. And Mr. Hasbara comes out himself 14 hours ago. They, whatever they means, just I guess he's referring to other people than he probably means anybody but Jews or Israelis because that's how bigoted these people are. Israel is discriminately bombing Palestinians indiscriminately. Yeah, like they just admitted to, but that doesn't matter. The Israeli Air Force, as he says, surgically destroys the fourth floor where a terrorist lives while keeping the rest of the building intact. Like, what childish garbage? Like, we can't just look up an endless amount of videos of entire buildings being bombed? Like, the idea that they would ever do that is, I mean, by the way, I didn't even get a chance to do this. I would love to find out right now that this is an image from a different year, because they've already been caught for doing that. For those who don't know, by the way, Tinai is one of the different reverse uh, image searches that you should try to use. Nope, zero matches. No, but my, so here's my point. It's not it's even, let's just say that they did that. To then point at this one example and act like the every other indiscriminate bombing, like just because you had this one image, that every other obvious example, or the fact that their IDF members have admitted this, or they openly say, kill them all, there's no one innocent, they're human animals, make it a parking lot. Like, it's just so dumb how these people keep pushing. By the way, I guess some people don't like that I call things dumb and stupid. <laughs> some things are just dumb and stupid. Like, that's sometimes just the best word for these things, that it's just ridiculous. There's a lot of it today. But as Nico House, I guess he's changed his name to Free Palestine, Free Gaza, says, so they could avoid destroying entire city blocks this whole time, but chose not to. Thanks for proving our point. (laughs) It's well done. Actually, I I thought I shared that. Right. The point is the same thing. The the same thing that Blinken just did. Like, this is why this is what happens when you're so blown. Your narrative is destroyed. That all you can do is challenge a previous lie. Right, Blinken did the same thing. You're admitting that they have the ability to do that, so why haven't they been doing that? My point is that I don't even think that's even reality. I think this is about a staged thing. But it doesn't matter either way. Nobody is dismissing or denying that they are literally doing this, bombing entire buildings, taking on entire city blocks, targeting hospitals and mosques and schools, UN locations. They only just started saying are Hamas-affiliated because 
the IDF and their intelligence admitted this. And we can see it happening. Somebody else responds by saying, oh, wait, that's the same one. Oh, here's the first one. So this is just the IDF parody account, which, again, that's the picture I was going to show you earlier. Look at this. So what's the excuse there? And it says, we could have used precision bombs here, but our pilots were so bored that we let them destroy the whole town. And actually, what's so crazy is that's actually something that the article discusses. That sometimes we just needed to make it look like we had a win. So we bombed a big area and showed our people and said, look, we got them. Admitting that it was just to make a point and there were no Hamas members. Now, Sam Husseini points out something very important as well, which simply just continues to make it obvious that these people not only are lying, but know that they're lying. Which is that there's another example on the record coming from an Israeli outlet. I'll I'll read his first. Ethnic cleansing is a major Israeli goal. Sam Husseini writes, I agree with that. Are world leaders just going to stand by or or are they going to invoke the genocide convention? Jonathan Shamir writes, and he's a fellow at, at Jewish Currents. So, you know, like I, I don't know why. It's so funny how if these people are Jewish and they challenge the narrative, people like Ben Shapiro call them trash, showing you who they really are, the real racist and bigoted people. But what's interesting is that it, it shouldn't really matter more, should it? That somebody decides to point this out. If they're Jewish, it shouldn't matter more just because they're discussing Jewish topics. But it does to some people. But it, it, if it matters to some people to see more of the truth, then, then here you go. It says, and this is coming from Israel Hayom, one option considered by the war cabinet, I'll show you the article next, is the thinning out of the Gaza population to minimize possible level, to the, to the minimum possible level. While most of the security establishment opposes this, Netanyahu sees this as a strategic goal. And he asked Ron Dermer to formulate a working plan. The article gives a sense on how this may look. The need to bypass international pressure and avoid scenes of Egypt shooting refugees at Rafah. The sea is open, is also open to Gazans. They've always talked about driving them into the sea, except that's not considered genocide or racist, but only statements of free Palestine are. Israel can, which by the way, does not explicitly mean no Israel. Israel can open the sea crossing at its will and will enable a mass exodus to Europe and African countries. The reporter also echoes these enabling euphemisms. Quote, this is not about transfer, but about releasing the stranglehold on Gaza's borders. Right, like that's what they want, right? The point is you're pretending this is about helping them. And that's the thing I said from day one. You're going to drive them into this insecure position and then act like the thing that that nobody was ever going to allow is suddenly the only thing that helps them. Mass displacement. The the phenomenon of refugees in war is an accepting thing, it says. The government itself is reportedly split on the program. Smotrich, Ben Gavir, some of the most extreme, and some Lukid ministers see this as a necessity. Of course they do, because they're extremists. While others, such as Gallant and Gans and Eisenkot, see this as someone somewhere between an unrealistic fantasy and an abom- an, uh, abominable, immoral plan. Here's the article itself. Trans- translate to English. And it says, Ram, the, pro- the program for the citizens of the Gaza Strip. Right here it says, Examines the ways to thin and it's per, at, at Netanyahu's request. Examines the ways to thin the population in Gaza to a minimum. There's no way to misunderstand that. This is about genocide. Now remember, they already told you we're, we picked a little small area over here in the south where tens of thousands can fit. Go ahead and go there without any explanation about how 
2 million people can fit there, assuming they haven't all been killed so far. You know, many of them. So it's obvious. They're admitting to you what they're doing. They want to whittle this down to a manageable size of people that will never can never threaten their Jewish majority coming from the Zionist perspective. Because that's how they control the population, understand. And all the rest of them were just dispensable. It is impossible to see this and not understand that these people are actively seeking genocide and all the Western governments that tell you you're wrong are allowing it, if not a part of it. And here's Mr. Elon Musk free speech, right? Who, by the way, we're going to end with people being censored on Twitter for saying the obvious. It says Elon Musk has said that Israel tries to avoid killing civilians. This is simply not true. This is from Muslim now. Israel has repeatedly targeted civilians, homes, ambulances, bakeries. The Twitter servers are full of uh, hours and hours of footage proving this. But here's what, even after what we just went over, this is, this is Elon free speech towing the line. I mean, the, the rebuttal is often made that, uh, well, you know, but, but, you know, Israel has killed civilians, you know, also in Gaza, but the, there isn't a, and yeah, long before October 7th, but if we're, I guess we're pretending like it only starts counting from there. Important difference here, which is that Israel tries to avoid killing civilians, uh, doing everything it can to, to avoid killing civilians. Israel tries to avoid killing civilians, uh, doing everything it can to, to avoid killing civilians. Israel tries to, right. So despite the fact that they literally admit that that's the agenda to kill them in order to hurt civil, civil infrastructure or any number of obvious examples where they're bombing things you can prove don't hold them or Amnesty International's investigation that proved they targeted civilians or going back before this 2014 or before Amnesty International, Betselem, Human Rights Watch, UN, all of them on the record saying they targeted civilians and they are war crimes and nobody does anything. That's why Sam Husseini keeps pointing out why doesn't anybody initiate the genocide convention? Because the same thing as before. At best, it seems we get an acknowledgement of the crime, but never accountability, which means that they're not really fighting for truth or freedom. They're just hoping you don't condemn them along with Netanyahu. That's what they're doing. Think about how gross this is. That why, so he goes there, takes the apology to her after they call him anti-Semite, and lies. Like, it's not, there's no debating that. It's a lie because it's obvious historically based on every human rights group and people in the standing that, caught, I mean, people that are there, doctors, nurses, ambulance drivers, it's everybody. And this, again, is why everybody's calling this out because they can even admit it on the record and we still deny it. Now, we've talked about this family just recently, the Bebus family. Now, remember, we just talked about this, I think it was yesterday and the day before, it has now been admitted by Hamas, at the very least, that Israel's bombings killed this family. Now, I don't think it's provable, but it's not the, I, the fact that it's being dismissed is wildly irresponsible, seeing as how we have continued to point out that it makes literally no sense to pretend that Israel wants these people back, but bombs exactly where they may be. Or rather put it better that they don't know where they are, but yet continue to bomb in unprecedented fashion all across Gaza Strip. I mean, it takes it really that that's willful ignorance to not acknowledge that means at best they don't care about them. Which they basically admitted to. Then we know that the Hannibal Directive on October 7th, yes, they did kill their own people. In fact, we'll end again with some points that add to that. Yes, they did. It's been admitted by people that were there, the security team at Kibbutz Be'ere, helicopter pilots police 
Haaretz, Israeli radio. I mean, it's on. It's un, it's un, it's it's just like the point we were just making. It can be that stupidly obvious, and yet we're oh, you're breathing water. Just shut up and go back to sleep. We can see it. They've admitted it. The proof is there. And yet we talk about things that they claim did happen, even though there's no evidence. And yet it's, this is just, I, again, this is so jarring. Just like the COVID-19 manipulation. I don't, it's again, I just like I said then, I wonder all the time, are we, are we, follow, are we supposed to be talking about this? I just don't see how it can be that clumsy. But even if it's meant to be, we still need to highlight it for people that haven't seen it to realize that they'll lie about the next thing too. But as Yam Peleg points out, Hamas released a video of the Biba's family father. I haven't seen the video, but it says as, they, as the video that tell him his family was killed. Now this says, for Hamas's own sake, they better be lying. I'm dead serious. What does that even mean? What are you, you going to do? Like, these people are just weird by the way that they cover this stuff. The point is that Hamas is claiming that their bombings killed this family. And I made this point long before this came out. That there was a discrepancy. There was a. It was weird to me that Israel was hyper focusing on this one group, and I was wondering why. Same with the other ones that turned out to have been, or the or the girl they claimed was killed that they that turned out to come home. There's there's a propaganda PR game being played here where they're trying to take advantage of this, and I very much think that they're not. They I don't think they ever intended for these people to come home, which is why they shot them as they were being taken into Gaza. That's the Hannibal directive because once they come back. Well, they can admit that they were shot at by the IDF, as well as what almost every, I mean, as far as I can tell, literally everyone that's speaking on their own accord, not through their aunt or their, some, or their IDF says that this is what they said. But when they stand up and speak right to this very day, they were treated kindly. They had enough food. They got feminine hygiene. They were, I mean, everything. Laughing, shaking hands. Now that, again, does not mean that they're not torturing some other people back there. But it's get this game where it continues to be the opposite of what we're told, and they just go, you're stupid for buying it. Well, I'm not buying anything. I'm just simply going, well, that's not what you said, and there's no evidence to, to support what you're saying. So you're asking me just to go along with your narrative despite all the evidence to the contrary? <laughs> that seems like a willful ignorance situation. But as Dan Cohen writes... In reporting on the deaths of the Bibas family, CBS has been forced to acknowledge they were killed by Israeli airstrikes, not Hamas. Instead of pressing Israeli officials on the slaughtering of their own people, in addition to 20,000 Palestinians, the reporter shrieks at the Hamas official. Israel can never be questioned by the Western media, even when it kills its own people. Now, this video is very strange. I'll, I'll point out a couple things about it hostages have been released many more remain in gaza israel is demanding the return of all of those who have been taken but a hamas leader who spoke with holly williams says that may not be possible holly is in tel aviv holly good morning Good morning, Nate. 97 hostages have now been released since the temporary ceasefire began on Friday. But I've been speaking with a senior Hamas leader who claims some of the hostages are dead. We are now, before he starts, I don't understand why they're speaking with a person, senior leader or not, which I think there's a game that gets played with a lot of these supposed senior leaders. Not saying they're not leadership positions, but it's not. It's these people are in Qatar, by the way the very group that Israel's working with in order to mediate the process. Well, and Netanyahu openly said that they would give them a pass, which doesn't make much sense to me, even though other people said, we're going to settle up with Qatar after this. Okay, so then basically you're saying you're willing to work with Hamas in order to get what you want. 
while screaming, we don't work with terrorists to justify everything else you do. Uh, everything they do is clumsy and completely contradictory at this point. But they bring on this guy who doesn't speak very good English, so it's hard to really, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't give you a good impression. And what they get into is the discussion about the family, and there's a very one-sided aggression coming from her. There's no discussion about whether that made sense or whether that's possible or the tens of thousands of people that are being killed. Her outrage is only directed about the one discussion about this one family. Oops, hold on, went too far back. Leader who claims some of the hostages are dead. We are ready to give all evidences. Ghazi Hamad told us Hamas is willing to. Don't you see? And you just, we are willing to give all the evidence. Oh, I talk right over the top of him. We won't let you hear the fact that he's going. Does anybody want it? We'll give you the evidence. We'll prove it to you. Nope, shut up. We don't want to talk about the evidence. We want to level allegations at you and let you. This is the corporate media is just clownish, more than I've ever seen it today. To provide evidence that three hostages, four-year-old Ariel Bibas, his 10-month-old brother Kafir, and their mother Shiri, were all killed in the Gaza Strip by an Israeli airstrike. Israel says it's assessing whether that claim is true. Isn't that interesting? So at the very least, that means that, yeah, definitely they could have killed them in their bombings, even based on Israel's response. I feel like these days, I think we're all of us are on the same side in this conversation. And we're the only like like what we're talking about right now is just at the people who won't agree no matter what, because they're in this for a clear agenda. I just don't see how anybody honest cannot see right through all of this. They pay the price because of the occupation. So he says, so this is what I'm talking about. You don't get to hear the interview. They clip out the one thing that she wants to get outraged about. They paid the price for the occupation. Now, do you think he's saying that, that like, well, I understand, first of all, he's saying they were killed by an Israeli airstrike. And then his statement is, well, I guess the only part of it you get, they paid the price of the occupation. Now, does that, do you, w- would you take that as they got what they deserved or that it's like, they, what he's saying is Israel did this. They, it's their, the occupation is why this is happening to us and them. Obviously, that's what he means, but either she's not intelligent enough to understand the real dynamic of what's going on in this, or it's just about a point you want to make. Most corporate journalism today, you go into these things with a point you already want to make. And we've, we've made fun of this before, and sometimes they don't get the response they want, so they just go right to the point they want to make. That's not journalism, that's propaganda. But, but that was a 10-month-old baby and a four-year-old boy. They have to impose a pressure on the... Now, her response is 10-year-old boy. Yeah, okay, so are you outraged with Israel right now? Why, or why are you outraged with him? Now, obviously, her point, we don't, in, from her perspective, I would argue they haven't taken at face value Israel did do this. But he goes on to say, they have to impose pressure in their government to tell them that you pushed us to the hell. See what I mean? Like, it's just, you can't really get what the real sentiment is for the most part. But what I get from what he's trying to say they have to impose pressure. Now realize, these are people that are being allowed to comfortably live in Qatar, as Israel knows what they are, and working with Qatar to, to mediate this process. In my opinion, these people are, in, in same reason we should question all of Hamas, because Netanyahu, the, the Israeli government, and the U.S. government have been working with and funding this group for a long time. But many argue things have changed over the last 17 years. But it definitely does not mean that they're completely of, devoid of influence from the outside, primarily 
the ones that live in wealth. And, and you know what I mean? Like that's my point about what's going on right now in Gaza with the resistance groups. I don't think is it's increasingly becoming distant from these outside parties that are very clearly tied to Israel, Israel. Anyway, he says they have to impose pressure in their government, right? So I guess we would assume he means the hostages, but for all we know, this is regarding Israeli people or anybody else, because it doesn't make sense to argue that they have to impose pressure in their government, but it says to tell them that you pushed us to hell. I guess he would mean people that care about civilian suffering, that they're living in an open air prison. So we, I, I, you see, it's just, it's, I'm, we have to, I guess, guess at what he means by this. In the, their government to tell them that you push us to the hell. But Dr. Hamid, a 10 month old baby and a four year old boy can't put pressure on the Israeli government. So this is my point about the discussion. There's not even an effort to get into the conversation about why they died. Just the idea is no matter what happens, it's your fault, which there's obviously accountability here for them taking a child and the family. So they're accountable for that. And yeah, that's a crime and they should be held accountable for that crime. But so too should the people that bombed them without concern for their lives. Why did they have to pay for the Israeli occupation? Is that, see, I don't think that's what he's even saying right there, that they had to pay the price. He didn't say that. But it says the Israelis, they have a bigger problem, that they occupy the Palestinian people. You see my point? He's talking about something else, and she's contorting this into him essentially saying they deserve to die. Now, I guess, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I haven't seen the full context because all you get are the four second excerpts of what he's saying, but that does not seem like what he's actually saying. They have a bigger problem that they occupy the Palestinian people. They have to exist. Right. There was a cut right there. That's obvious. So just understand that that's how they play this game. But then it says they have to exert pressure in Israel, their government, in order to tell them that they are going in the wrong way. He's not talking about a child in Gaza. He's talking about the people that want this to stop. That's how I would take this. In Israel, their government want to tell them that you are going in the wrong way. Last and then, and then just move away. Night, Hamas handed over another 16 hostages, including an American, Liat Benin Atzili, a mother of three whose husband remains in captivity. Israel held up its end of the bargain by releasing 30 Palestinian prisoners. I mean, even just right there, the difference between how they look coming out, people that have been beaten, tortured, starved, as everybody's telling you, and by the way, has Amnesty and the UN and every group that's ever talked about Israel detention has proved, and I'll give, I'll give you another example today, that's what they do as a matter of policy. But I guess it's all fake news because we're racist, right? That's all, that's all they have. That's the only argument. Bringing the total to over 200. Hamad told us Hamas wants a permanent ceasefire to end the suffering of Palestinians in Gaza. Yeah, like that disabled man who was bombed in his home. Where Hamas officials say over 15,000 have been killed by Israeli airstrikes and fighting. So what would it take for Hamas to hand over all the remaining hostages? See, this, is what, so, this is what kills me. I genuinely think that these people just don't know all the information. One being Hamas has been offering that since the first week. That's been proven by Vice News, by Washington Post. Netanyahu was forced to admit that when they started this first process. 
because he kept going, we would do it, but Hamas won't offer. And then it was forced to go, oh, well, I'm just lying. He didn't say that, but he oh, he then go he wasn't forced to take the deal that was then on the record that he had refused. That's how that came out. Because they, they, they just initially, they pushed the same deal. And his people in Israel pressured him to take that deal. Why? Because they want their families back. And he was the one that would not let that happen. Now, aside from the military and IDF and police and settlers that they have, the civilians, I'm not saying it's okay that they have them. But in the, but so that's a crime. But going forward, you also have to recognize that Netanyahu has made it a deliberate policy to make them not even secondary, third, fourth, who knows where they're on the list, if they care about them at all, as they bomb and kill them, which I think we can prove at this point. But her only point is about that discussion, not about the fact that they've then killed 20,000 people, six, 7,000 children, depending on the numbers you look at. That's an obvious static reality. No one is even denying that anymore. They're just quibbling about how much. So if the argument is, look at all the civilians we were on October 7th, and that's why this has to continue. Well, it just, it's just such a plainly, di the disregard for what Palestinians are going through as well. By that logic, shouldn't we go, well, my God, here's 6,000 children, just children. Does that, does that then give them the right to go on and carpet bomb Israel? Well, by that logic, that would be a yes, but nobody should accept that because that's terrorism. We can uh, have a comprehensive uh, deal uh, that we can release all the prison, the Palestinian detention. At the same time, we can release all the hostages. So just that's what his response was. We can have a deal where we release all and they release all, which, by the way, has been the, the offered deal since the very beginning, the first week. At the same time, we can release all the hostages. There were thought to be around 6,000 Palestinians in Israel's Thought to be. Or a verified reality that Israel's admitted to and the international community's talked about. But let's always keep it ambiguous because we don't want you to really understand how terrible the Zionist government is. Prisons. And by Israel's count, around 150 hostages are still being held in the Gaza Strip. And they, this is being disputed, right? Because they're saying that, that, that some of them have died. We've lost touch with some of them in areas that we can't get to, right? The point is that they're, they're now there's a number that Israel hasn't moved from that is impossible to meet. So I think that's in their back pocket for when they want to argue that they're violating something down the future. How many hostages do you have left in your hands that are still alive? I don't know. You don't know? You see, and this is my point about the lack of information, the, the, the language barrier. Right. So the point is, he goes on to say the number is not so important. But again, I'm not if you if you could hear all of it in, in one straight conversation, it might be different. But the point is, they don't know. And they've made that clear with more context from people that can actually speak fluid, you know, unbroken English that are saying we don't know because there's been bombings. We've lost touch with some of them. But of course, she gets her outrage moment. You don't know. The number is not so important. Which, by the way, it's not very, there's not a lot of decorum there as a journalist. That seems like a weird uh, emotional response. But what, what do you mean the number uh, isn't important? People in Israel want to know whether their loved ones are still alive or not. I just, I, I, have, I find it really hard to not be upset that your only conversation and only focus, almost to the point to where you're screeching about this, is about. That whether or not they're still alive, while you have continued to ignore the unbridled murder nonstop of children and women and medical pe personnel and journalists and doctors. I mean, on and on and on and on and on. But no, that's just, we, that's, I guess, Hamas's fault.
We ignore that. Now we release 70 people now, and we are continuing to release the civilians. That does not seem like an honest interview, quite frankly. We're expecting more hostages to come out tonight, but we do not know if this ceasefire will extend beyond 7 a.m. local time tomorrow. And it won't. It doesn't because they made sure. Now, the point is that they have made it obvious what they wanted to do. They told you they were going to do it. But yet when it came to time, well, they didn't want to say, well, we're just going to keep bombing again because we said they would. They said, no, Hamas violated the ceasefire exactly like we told you they would. So they can go back to bombing. Because Hamas wanted to continue the ceasefire. Israel just didn't want to make it look like they just didn't want to. So they said, they broke the deal. And the U.S. said, they broke the deal. And they started bombing again. And guess what else they did? They immediately stopped the aid of everything. And now said, no more aid indefinitely until we say otherwise forever. Not exactly, paraphrasing, but that's what's happening. Now, is that, is that because you want to help the people? The people you claim you want to keep safe? Now, he also writes, oh, that was the, how did I do that? Huh. I guess I had the same thing twice. Now, coming into the going forward on the ceasefire conversation. And we really should wonder how many people have been killed. Oh, and the other point was about the, uh, the whether or not they're going to continue, like the, the amount of people that might have been killed, the amount of people they're going to put forward, like this is almost set up to fail at this point knowing that what they're asking for is an, an impossible deliver because of what they have killed. And we also have to remember that there's been random examples of the, the woman found by the Al-Shifa hospital that they just claim they found. I mean, all of this is very good. I think once we look back on this, it's going to be very, it's going to be impossible for anybody honest to not see the trail. But it says the temporary truce ended on Friday morning, today. It initially lasted for four days and then was extended for seven, several days. Israel accused Hamas of violating the truce, despite reports of Israel killing several Palestinians during the pause. There you go. Exactly the point. Accused them. And I don't see, and again, it came back to the body discussion, right? They said, well, we were, they're going to turn these bodies. Israel didn't want them back. But then didn't want, I think they didn't want anybody to know that. So they pretended they were going to accept the deal. Then Hamas said, we're going to turn them back over anyway. And I think that's what triggered this sort of like, you broke it. My opinion. Now, per the Guardian, Israel-Hamas war, 178 Palestinians have been killed since the truce ended this morning. Think about that for a second. Hours have gone by. Since this, this morning... Would have been, well, anyway, I'm not trying to break down the time difference. In less than one day, after a supposed truce, they killed 178 people, not Hamas members, Palestinians. Because realize, they have not provably killed as far, I mean, I'm not going to dispute that they haven't killed, I mean, they might have killed Hamas members. They have not provably killed one since this started. I haven't seen a single example of a Hamas member that they took out. Don't you find that strange? Oh, and then this was this was as well down here. Israel blocking aid into the Gaza got into Gaza until further notice. 178 killed. U.S. of course the U.S. toes the line, blames Hamas for end of truth, saying they didn't come up with a list of hostages. Guys, you realize how insulting this is. They have been offering all of them since the first week. We've already that's already been admitted to, and they just roll back into a lie again because what else are they going to do? 
It says Israel knew of Hamas attack plan more than a year in advance. We'll get to that in a second. U.S. intensely focused on hostage release. Blinken, as he blames Hamas for ending the truce. Just the same old, same old guys play one, two, and three. They are tired and played out. You can't can pretend they didn't want to give Hamas hostages when they've been trying to since the very beginning, and Netanyahu got caught pretending they weren't offering it and took the same deal they offered in the beginning. Now, Yunus Tirawi, reporter in Palestine, reports what you were hearing from the Guardian as well. Red Crescent informs that Israel has decided to prevent entry of aid. That is not about Hamas. Because you realize this is what was going on during the supposed ceasefire on the UN and, 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 and Egypt involved. The point was they stopped this because they want to do what they already admitted in the different articles, their own statements, get rid of all of them. That's what this is. No water, no food. I, and these are this is collective punishment, just like it was in the beginning. It's amazing we can even debate that as you are. And look, just, even if you want to say, well, we can't do that because the Hamas might get some. Okay, I disagree that that's what the reality would be, but either way, that still amounts to collective punishment. The point, the reason why is that I would disagree is because even Hamas was saying, bring it in, we'll let the UN mediate so we don't get any of it. They just didn't want to do it because they're attacking all of Palestine. But this is collective punishment per any understanding of the word Geneva Convention, international law. These are war crimes. Israel informed all organizations at the Rafah crossing that aid trucks from the Egyptian side, many of which are like stalled there, are prohibited from entering until further notice. Israel also informed that the crossing must be emptied of the trucks on that side as soon as possible. So they don't want to they don't want them to be seen waiting there. Get them out of here. We don't want people to know that we're doing this. Just absolutely vile. Aid tra- and here's just Reuters in case that means more to you. Stopped as the campaign resumes. They're bombing. They're a murder campaign. And everything else resumes as well. Realize this is one day, less than one day. They killed a journalist and a university professor, killed him along with his family. You know, just like Amnesty International, the rest have already proven. Not a Hamas member, not Hamas in his family's home. They just murdered him because he's a journalist. They don't want people to know what's happening. Thank you to We Are All Hearts for posting, tagging me on a lot of good stuff. Here, again, just from this morning forward, civil defense rescue rescue efforts are now underway to extract injured civilians trapped under the rubble of their homes as they were bombed. Right? Like, you'd think if this was some kind of a byproduct or, a, you know, they're doing their best to avoid this, that it wouldn't be, like, instantaneously right back to the same problem. Instantly back to civilians killed and under rubble and being bombed. Why? Because that's what they're doing. They're bombing civilians. And killing a civ- and, and destroying civilian infrastructure, as they've admitted to. Israel is now bombing multiple residential buildings at once. Right back to it, they went even harder. That's that is your Habsara campaign. Damn it. Habsora campaign. Habsora, I'm gonna write it on my hand. I really believe that. That's what this looks like. That is a, the AI just going here, 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 and here. Go, and they just go. They admit in that article that they do not have time or even the ability to actually check it for themselves. So it ends up being whoever's inputting the data. So how much you want to bet being a Palestinian is a target? Or if you happen to know somebody who might know somebody who might be Hamas, makes you a target. They've admitted to most of this, guys. 
Now, Francesca Albanese, a UN special rapporteur, an international lawyer on human rights and all the rest of it, says alarming phase two of the Gaza war risks to push the exhausted Gaza population to the border with Egypt into deportation into the Sinai, which we told you was the plan. This may result in the largest forcible transfer of Palestinians in a long history of forcible transfers of Palestinians. They literally dropped more leaflets. And on top of that, what are they doing? They've now broken up all of the Gaza Strip into these, I think it's 2,000 parcels in order to force the movement of the civilian population. The persistent question is whether this is done to gain a military advantage or in some way to offer a safe zone, excluding wrongfulness of forcible transfers. The point is, regardless of whether they actually want them in a safe zone, what they're doing is a crime, no matter how you look at this. Here is one of these breaking down what it says. To the residents of Al-Qura and these different areas, you must evacuate immediately or go to the shelters of the city of Rafah. The city of Khan Yunus is a dangerous combat zone. You mean the place that you told them to go right before this? Well, yes, because this is a process. They're driving them there. They're driving them out, just like we told you. So what are they supposed to do? There's nowhere to go. And this was, you can check this. This plan is publicly discussed. I forgot I have the IDF page itself. The IDF publishes a list of blocked numbers to guide Gaza residents to evacuating the targeted areas. Like, it's just, it's the most obvious thing in the world. This is precisely what we told you was going to happen. Part by part, piece by piece, they're driving them forward, they're taking over the areas, and they're already beginning to take the areas in the, in the, in the, the north. Jahan Afara, a journalist in, in Gaza, reports that her mom is telling them that they are left with one option, just to accept death. It doesn't matter if we move or not. Any minute now is our last. They say, leave Khan Yunus for Rafa. Then they strike Rafa, which already happened. We have nowhere to go. If we die, at least we die in the house, not on the streets. And this is many of them are doing. As Muhammad points out, no place is safe in Gaza. No direction is safe in Gaza. No school is safe in Gaza. No hospital is safe in Gaza. No house is safe in Gaza. No street is safe in Gaza. No one is safe in Gaza, which is exactly what they want. Israel urges civilians in the southern area, which they told them was the safe zone, to evacuate to a temporary ceasefire ends. Or after the temporary ceasefire ends. Dunya points out at the beginning of the war, the Israeli occupation army instructed the residents of northern Gaza to go south, claiming it was a safe zone. And what we were all told is they're going to go back. And even Netanyahu said, don't worry, you're going to go back. And I told you he was lying. On their way south, they were bombed, as we reported. Today, the Israeli army asked people to move from Khan Yunus in the south to Rafah, citing it as a new safe zone. As usual, the deceitful army's aim is to kill more civilians. These videos document, which was turned out to be the intense bombing that Rafah endured today. Not even waiting. So you tell them to go, that's the safe zone, just like they did before, and they bomb them on the way, and they bomb the area they claimed was the safe zone. You realize how egregiously obvious this is that the people like the, the Blinkens and Bidens of the world and the rest of these governments, this is obvious. That means that they're knowingly allowing and being a part of targeted assassinations of civilians when you tell them to go to a place you tell will, that will be safe. What, does it surprise you? It's no different than inviting Soleimani under a peace banner and then murdering him in a protected airport in a civilian location. 
That was Trump. Here's what they're looking at. And this is my point about radicalization. What do you think this does to the families and people when you're told to go here because it's safe and then they bomb you and kill your family in front of you and then you're told that you're the one causing the problem? What do you think that does to your psyche? Heavy airstrikes on the Rafa city. It's, it's, it's almost, it's just, it's, it's a, it's almost taunting them, right? So it, it, the Israel government knows that they know they're being bombed in the safe zone. And then Biden stands up and says that it's Hamas and it's only Hamas and it's Palestinians' fault that it's happening and we're only defending ourselves. Literally creating terrorism. Now, in a, in a reverse point, actually, I think this was, oh, I think that's in the wrong spot. Hold on, we'll come back to that. So here, the point was displacement, bombing them while they're being moved, and then bombing the location they're supposed to go to. And just so that's the most obvious thing in the world, deliberately assassinating them in the place that's supposed to be safe, the real, the real bigger point is that this is about displacing them, driving them there and driving them out, kettling them into an area that they don't have any food or water or security, and then telling them they have to move again. Where do you think they're being fed from? Where do you think they're getting water from? These people are dying on the streets, just like was po shown to by journalists who went in during the fake ceasefire. But here is a former member of the government admitting on the record that this is about removing all of them. She says, we need 2 million people to leave. And yet we bicker about this being the reality. Because Zionists will pretend that that's not the truth. Next Israeli minister says solution for Gaza is departure of 2 million people. It says after we turn Khan Yunus into a soccer field, you're listening? I'm sure there will be intent international pressure at some point. Job to rehabilitate Gaza which means removing all the Palestinians they see all as terrorists and see what needs to be done with Gaza. Wait, but I thought you just said rehabilitate it. So what needs to see what needs to be done with it is very different than rehabilitating the situation where Palestinians live. Then we need to take advantage of that. Advantage of the destruction. That we will wreak, that we will wreak upon them. These are genocidal maniacs. Like just casually over coffee talking about the absolute destruction of an entire people. It says that we will wreak upon them. In order to tell the countries of the world, each one of them should take a quota. It could be 20,000, it could be 50,000. So that they can also sh uh, shoulder the burden, the burden of the people that you pretend you want to protect most transparent thing in the world in order to allow them to leave. But you want to keep them all safe, right? You have to understand. It, it has been for them to leave until... Wait, it has been... You have to understand. It has been...
for them to leave until now. I'm not sure what that means. It was complicated to leave Gaza. We need to change our mindset and let them leave. Let them leave. Like that's what they want. God, these people are disgusting. We need to let them leave as one of the ministers said before. In the last... In the last few years, half a million young people have immigrated. We need two million to leave. In all honesty, that's the solution for Gaza. Yeah, the, eth- the, the ethnic cleansing solution. The final solution, right? That's what we're talking about, guys. These people are maniacal. And that's what I've said so many times. The worst of the worst. Projecting yourself as some kind of humanitarian while you literally commit the most the most egregious atrocities in human history. And I'm not saying that necessarily applies to everything we're looking at right now, but over the time of the Zionist agenda, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Going back to look at the horrifying, the, the, I mean, even taking, actually, I'll wait, we're going to get to a point I'm going to make about fake news. That guy that claimed to have the video about the woman's stomach being cut open, that comes from an Israeli doing that to Palestinians. That's the atrocity propaganda being used. We'll get to that in a second. And again, just recognize we already discussed not just the original plan that was leaked and WikiLeaks is confirmed, but a new one that has been discussed from the U.S. Congress being presented to our government. The secret U.S. plan to forcibly displace all Palestinians. Weird how they're now proposing that. And they have your tax dollars. Typical, right? Israel's government pleading with Biden, the uh, Christian Zionist, to take your money to fund the take the the illegal mass displacement of the Palestinians to other countries. By by the way, two of which are occupied and treated the same way. Iraq, Yemen, Egypt being a place that I guarantee would be, would change. I mean, there's a very strong anti-Israel sentiment in Egypt. The government is pocketed in us and Israel control, but I guarantee if you put a bunch of mass displaced Palestinians there, that would change the way Israel looks at it. One of the reasons why these countries are terrified to engage with this. But on top of that, to show you what they've been doing, we already talked about the new settlement that, that Netanyahu was already initiating in the Gaza envelope. Mohammed points out, in the areas that they're claiming they can go back to, Israel soldiers are now o- are openly taking over homes in Gaza and declaring it theirs. The owners are either dead or forcefully displaced to the south. Just like the statues they tore down, they're now putting up their own. On top of buildings, they've now taken from people in the south or in the north. Why would that be happening if this was just a temporary motion to get rid of Hamas? It was always about displacing them. And then a classic meme here coming from now, by the way, this for those who haven't seen this is not some trope. It's like some racist cut. This is a real video that you probably have seen of this man being accused of stealing somebody's home. And he openly says, well, if I don't steal it, somebody else will. Classic. It's a real video. And that's the point. These settlers know what they're doing. Now, on to the point about what's continuing to happen. The onslaught against children. Here, uh, Hussam Zumlut from the the PLO says, this is a war crime, or this war is on children, according to UNICEF. Here's what he says. The ceasefire is over. We can already hear the bombing, and I'm at a hospital. There was a hit about 50 metres from here. This is the biggest still-functioning hospital in Gaza. It's at 200% capacity. Yes, this is a hospital. The health system here is overwhelmed. 
This hospital simply cannot take more children with the wounds of war. There are children everywhere. These children are sleeping. There was a bomb literally 50 metres from here. I cannot overstate how the capacity has been reduced of hospitals in the last seven weeks. We cannot see more children with the wounds of war, with the burns, with the shrapnel littering their body with the broken bones. Now we know that's intentional. Inaction by those with influence is allowing the killing of children. This is a war on children. Kind of hard not to see that. Freddie Ponton points out a buried, which they've now deleted, by the way, 2013 UNICEF report revealed the extent of child abuse in Israel long before October 7th. Here's just quickly examples of this report, which, by the way, you should read for yourself. Here's the full report, which will include. But here are just a couple of quick excerpts from the from the beginning. It gets way more damning. Now, first of all, it just says it is understood. And by the way, just in case you want to see it, we're talking about right here. It is understood right there. It is understood that in no other country are children systematically tried by juvenile military courts that, by definition, fall short of providing the necessary guarantees to ensure respects of their rights. Just a basic understanding that anybody who's honest understands and always has, but yet weirdly chooses never to really do anything about. So even those that are willing to admit this is the static reality still just don't ever push further because why they get called racist or the Zionist influence, the ADL and APAC and the rest of a push on people above them and suddenly lose their job. Yeah, that's how it really works. Overall, the point is, yeah, they have the only place, the only country in the world that tries children in military courts and by definition does not respect their rights. Even though they stood there and all cheered and high-fived about the Convention on Children's Rights or whatever. They all act like Israel's on board. <laughs> That's how gross these people are. The governments involved with that know what Israel's doing and still act like they're all doing the right thing. The worst of the worst. It says all children persecuted for offenses they allegedly committed should be treated in accordance with international juvenile justice standards. Meaning Israel does not do that. Here's the important part. Since 2007, the UNICEF office, which by the way, they've deleted this now, very telling. That's my point. Somebody leaned and pressed, applied pressure. The UNICEF office in the occupied Palestinian territory has been lending, leading interagency efforts to systematically gather accurate, timely, and reliable information on grave violations committed against children in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territory. And if, the context is this is only at Israel, guys. Israel is doing this to kids in Israel and in Palestine. Occupied Palestine. It says, including the arrest and detention of children. This information, in addition to data on killing and injuries, recruitment, and use of children in armed forces and groups, attacks against schools and hospitals, denial of human access, and forced displacement, is reported regularly to the United Nations Security Council Working Group on Children and Armed Conflicts via the Office of the Special Representative of the Security General for Children and Armed Conflict. Mounting allegations of ill treatment of children held in Israeli military detention systems led UNICEF to monitor and review practices relating to children in that system. And you know what they found. It's horrific. And I'll include these again. I've gone over these in past reports, but I just want you guys to be able to see this. A report from the United Nations from years ago, 2015, making it very clear. 
illegal detention, torture. It's all right in this. I've read over this many times. Physical abuse, humiliation, violation of humanitarian law. Children. That's only about children. Here's the Vox article that discusses the same thing. It says, allowing the target people for a range of political activity, including speech and nonviolent protest, human rights groups have deemed Israel's use of administrative detention a blatant violation of international law. And you remember this article. This gets way more horrifying when you read through it. I'm just giving you the basic understanding that everybody knows what they're doing is illegal. Amnesty International. Again, this is only rel- This is from October 7th forward. Posted on November 8th. Horrifying cases of torture. Not hypothetical, not investigating. Provable cases of torture and degrading treatment of Palestinian detainees amid spike in arbitrary arrests. Arbitrary arrests. But you're racist, I guess, if you say that, even though you can prove it. And many of them are children. Here, this is before, July 10th. They're unlawful prison practices. International crimes have turned into, it says, basically saying that unlawful and carceral prison practices in the occupied Palestinian territory are tantamount to international crimes and have turned into an open-air prison. But it's all racist and wrong, apparently. And we just talked about this from The Intercept, the insidious narrative about Palestinian prisoners, which goes on to prove that they arbitrarily detain children. Remember, 233 of the ones on the list that they were allowed to release or were willing to release, 233 out of 300 were never charged with a crime. That's per Israel's information. And then what do they do? They trotted out their own people to say, they're all terrorists and they're all charged with stabbings and shootings. They knowingly lied about children committing crimes. Think about how disgusting that is. And this is just what happens to them in there in, in Israeli prisons. They shot her son in her arms and forced her to throw his body. Testimonies from death. Oh, excuse me. Not, not the, oh, and that's why. See, I was confused about, I moved it. This was related to this part of it. The telling people to go to Rafa and then bombing them in Rafa. The point is, this is about the death march on Salah al-Din Street, right? The street that we now saw all littered with dead bodies that they even tried to get ahead of, don't forget. They tried to place that argument where Hamas was gunning them down in the streets, which was very quickly shown to be false. The point is that we were proving that this was the safe march zone and we had vivid evidence of Israeli bombings while they were on the street, of Israeli shoot, Israel shooting people while they are on the street, even covered by corporate media. And this is testimony of what some of these people went through, that they shot her son while she had him in his, and then forced her to get rid of the body. It's just disgusting. The soldier ordered me to crawl through the checkpoint. Testimonies of soldiers sniping children from a distance and forcing parents to abandon their corpses. This is just another day in occupied Palestine. Now, on the point of what there's an overlap to this art, this point coming from the Ukraine. So let's briefly step over to the Ukraine discussion. Los Angeles Times reports today, Russian missiles tear, or excuse me, yesterday, Russian missiles tear through buildings, bury residents under rubble in East Ukraine. Oh, I guess they forgot to write says Ukraine. See how bad this is everywhere right now. It's been even, even during the Ukraine conflict, when it was the focus, they were doing that. Now they just walked it back, but you'll see Russian missiles tore through apartment buildings in Eastern Ukraine. Local officials said, that's the point. 
doesn't mean it's false, but it means a group that's lied about damn near everything they've said about this war is now claiming weirdly timed that Russia just bombed this residential building and buried everybody, you know, right on the heels of a massive story claiming to prove that they're doing that in Gaza. Don't forget who is funding the Azov movement, largely Israeli groups, United States. We've already proven all this, right? Azov Zelensky is chiefly funded by Kolomoisky, who was the chief, I think at one point was the head of the World Jewish Congress and was also the chief financier of the Azov movement. And we have the evidence, which I guess I bring up since we're talking about it. Oh, what was it? There you go. In 2018, per there were human rights groups that were demanding Israel in a weirdly confusing story for some people, demanding they stop arming neo-Nazis in Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, because that's what they're still doing. And they were talking about the Azov movement, guys, back in 2018. Israel was arming Nazis in Ukraine. So it shouldn't be very surprising when you understand the reality of the Zionist organization and how they themselves tried to align with Nazi Germany twice, once with Stalin. That's on Wikipedia, guys. Not to, again, never means that means it's true, but it means mass adoption. So understand that that's the general accepted reality, that the Ergun party, or rather the Lehigh part of it, tried to align themselves with Nazi Germany. The point, though, is the understanding of the overlap to these stories. So in, as we're watching this provable information come out to say, look, they're bombing civilians and destroying buildings with them in it and burying them in the rubble, Weirdly enough, breaking news. This happens right here. And I think this, I think the reason this is being pointed at, I guarantee I'm willing to bet you Eli David's already made this point because he's that clumsy to say, like he's like he's been saying about Syria, for example, saying, like, oh, look at the destruction in Gaza. Oh, wait, that's Syria. Nobody cares. You mean except literally everybody that's been screaming about the Syrian war for that? Like it's just they're creating false narratives to sell you on things, even though people have been protesting about Syria and the mass civilian destruction there for years. But apparently nobody cared when that happened. Yeah, we all did, man. But the point is I'm willing to bet you he's already trying to argue that, look, nobody cares that Russia did this over here, I guess, because they're not Jews. Even though, interestingly enough, that's not a, that's inaccurate. But the point overall is that, of course, we care. If Russia did this, then they should be accountable. But the real point is, we don't know, and all we get is Ukraine said, just like we're getting Israel said rapes happened, and we go, well, we haven't proven that, and you accuse us of denying something, as it says here. Russia military units simultaneously launched, according to the Israel, the Ukrainian intelligence or Ukrainian officials, that Russia launched. Six S-300 missiles during the night, according to Ukrainian internal affairs. Ihor Klemenko, somebody we've talked about before, who is a very obvious integral part of the, the worst part of Ukrainians, rather the proxy entities that are in Ukraine. But if you go through the article, you see literally every claim. Authorities said, officials said, they are striking the center of the house and the houses. They are just destroying the civilian population. Weird how this suddenly is starting to become a focal point to take direction away from what's happening in Gaza. I'm almost willing to bet my life on that. And that they're going to start going, oh, weird, nobody cares about these ones. But yeah, we all do, though, and that's the point. But here's where this becomes interesting. And I've made this point before when they already floated these kind of arguments. It's certainly possible that Russia did that. But we should ask why. 
well, really the main point being that we don't know for sure when it comes directly from Ukraine saying something. And I think it makes sense strategically that is that Russia wouldn't, especially right now, just choose to bomb civilian areas. To what end? I'm not saying Russia's not capable of that, but this is the same argument as saying Assad just murders children because he likes to kill children. It doesn't make much sense. Certainly possible, though. And that's, that's, by the way, the other thing I said to Eli was when he points out the idea that this is like about Syria and so on. I simply said, are you are you now bringing up weapons of mass destruction too? like all these old tired arguments? But the Wall Street Journal reported on the 21st of March in 2022, the U.S. was sending Soviet era defense systems that it secretly acquired in you to Ukraine. This is the big this is and we're talking about the S-300 air defense systems. That's the point. So it only the only all it means is that we know that Ukraine has S-300s. And we know that the U.S. tried to secretly send them over there. Soviet era weapons. And now when it matters, we see them going, look, look, they fired S-300s in a location that I don't think strategically makes sense or why they would choose to bomb specifically civilian apartment buildings. But it's certainly possible. So my point is, I think that a lot of this is directed propaganda to make us look a different direction and to try to act like we only care about one side of this. But let's see what happens. Also, to save the reputation of the mighty Abram tanks, apparently the U.S. has asked Ukraine to return them. Now, I can't, this is just a local report. I I find it interesting, but it, said, it claims it's coming directly from U.S. sources. What's interesting is that it just shows you how the interest in the Ukraine discussion has completely changed. And now they're going like, just get, you know, get rid of the tanks so we don't end up looking stupid like we did in Afghanistan. Now, back to the point about Gaza. I think it's very interesting how there's so much provable information. It's sort of like the COVID-19 point where it's like, it's just not even debatable. You can get into the, the breadth of how serious the problem is, but to, cre- to keep arguing like they're still doing safe and effective. It just, it's, 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 there's not a good, there's not a, a strong enough word for it, right? It, it is insulting very clearly. It's clumsy. It's desperate. But I, there, there, I feel like we need to create a special word for that, what they're doing, where we can see it. Like I was saying in the beginning, that they're just going, no, no, you're, you're breathing water right now. And you have to go, okay, I guess we're breathing water now. Like that's how stupid it is. And we all see that that's not the case. And I just don't know why, as the collective majority that definitely sees this, we allow these screamers and manipulators to kind of seemingly drive the focal point of the conversation. Very strange. But Norman Finkelstein points out, is, the, is Human Rights Watch lying? And he says, Human Rights Watch is the, in a preliminary report on Al-Ali Hospital. Devoted 24 lines to describing in minute detail how Hamas was suppressing critical evidence on the incident which does not even remotely seem to be the case. It says Hamas has stated that it would provide full access to the evidence. But Human Rights Watch refused to post a correction. Let's look at the report. Now, what we need to understand about this, we covered the Ali Hospital right when it happened. Right away, even from, I think it was BBC, but it was, or maybe it was Associated Press, but it was corporate media. Their own investigation showed that basic under the basic just looking at the, the trajectory of those the alleged missile or rocket rather, very clearly showed that this was not fired from the area they claimed it was. Now Israel claimed 
So at best, as they ultimately find here, even though it's being, uh, even the title seems to suggest that they know it was Hamas, their own investigation makes it clear that we don't know. As it says, a full investigation needed. Evidence points to, remember what it says, the explosion that killed and injured many civilians at Ali resulted from an apparent rocket-propelled munition. The point is they don't know that. So it's interesting they just kind of start like, but they do as they say apparent, such as those commonly used by Palestinian armed groups, or that we very well know Israel could pretend to use or use and blame on them. But it says they hit the hospital grounds, Human Rights Watch said. While misfires are frequent, further investigation is needed to determine who launched the rocket. So they don't know. So why would you publish this and say, well, we have no idea? But what's interesting is that at best, what you're really arguing is that this was Hamas trying to fire a rocket and accidentally doing this. In every other circumstance, it's now been proven and admitted to that Israel chose to bomb all these hospitals. Isn't that interesting? Let me ask you this. If, if Hamas was saying an Israeli soldier is in there, so we bombed it because they're using people as human shields, would you, would you think that was okay? Would you go, oh, okay, well, there was an IDF member in there, so they were allowed to kill all the people in the hospital. Yeah, obviously you would think you would go, no way, that's, that doesn't make sense. Then realize that you're a hypocrite if you think it's okay in reverse. But it says, well, it goes on to say, a type of munition that Human Rights Watch has not been able to conclusively identify. Okay, so if you don't even know what munition was used, why are you claiming that you know it was an apparent rocket? Very strange reporting. It says the Human Rights Watch review of videos and photos suggests that on October 17th, a rocket struck the LA ground hospitals. But that's not what most of these investigations found, even from in, in corporate level. What they found, well, let me finish it first. It says need, need for an independent investigation into the incident, which could be conducted by the United Nations. There are no known images of any munition remnants publicly available, and Human Rights Watch was unable to visit the scene, preventing, and why do you think that is? Preventing conclusive identification of the munition. Right. It's interesting they wouldn't state who, obviously, there's only one group controlling who goes into Gaza. Israel wouldn't let them go and look at this. Why do you think that is? Evidence available to Human Rights Watch made the possibility of a, makes the possibility of a large airdropped bomb such as those Israel has used extensively in Gaza, highly unlikely, which, by the way, doesn't mean false or unlike or impossible, but realize what the investigation found. So this is why I'm kind of shocked this is not included because this was high, these were military people that found these. And this was, again, corporate level discussions that it was highly likely that this was a I forget the term they use where they, they detonate the bomb above the ground. And that's what caused the crater and not the typical explosion uh, that you would see if it hit the ground. And they also went on to show that the bombing and the air and the way it looked was not capable to be caused by a rocket. Gaza authorities appear to be in possession of remnants that would help make a conclusive determination of the munition possible. And to Norman's point, they go on to basically make the argument that they won't, if you, they've made it clear, will you can come look at this. Israel's not letting people in to look. That's already been made clear. So it seems like Human Rights Watch is trying to maintain this, whatever pressure is coming from the Zionist government, but basically admitting in their own investigation, we don't know, we can't prove it, and the evidence we need, we're not allowed to look at. Why do you think that is? This has been, in my mind, definitively proven to not be what they claimed it was, Israel, based on basic investigative dimensions of where it came from. But on top of that, 
that they've gone on. Oh, and the other main point, let's not forget, they dropped leaflets claiming they were going to bomb this hospital. Right? They and that's they admitted this. They said, we're going to, and then people in the Ali hospital showed them and said, look, they said, we're going to bomb, leave the hospital. And then they bombed the hospital and they said, oh, Hamas did it. And don't forget that the next one, they did the same thing, but then they kind of just decided to go with it. And don't forget, Naftali, I think, was the one that posted saying Hamas was there, just like they claimed here. Or rather, no, that was the revert. They claimed Hamas was there on the Ali hospital and deleted it. and then went back and posted that we did it, or their rocket did it. This was even caught by Twitter. All, all I'm trying to say here is that it's very obvious that they're just playing this game. Why would we not acknowledge that they threatened to bomb it and then Hamas did instead? And then they went on to do the same thing, but bombed every one of the ones after that by simply going Hamas was there? They claimed Hamas was here too. Very, very strange. Overall, guys, that's my point about how embarrassing this is. I think they're very aware of what's happening and what that, what they're doing. Now, here's just a video coming from, oh, I'm sorry, this was supposed to be over here with this one. I wasn't even going to play it. It was just going to be the video, if you wanted to watch it, of what Ukraine is saying is, you know, a baby they rescued from the rubble. Interestingly, that it's a baby, the whole story. I'm not dismissing it. I just find the timing very suspicious. And the video is just, of, I guess, a Ukrainian soldier finding a child and the, the blown up area and graphic images. You know, it's, it's the same kind of stuff. And if this was done, whoever did it, obviously it matters. Civilians getting bombed by anybody matter. Of course, unless you're Palestinian and from the Zionist government. Now, where are we at? We're at 149. It's good timing. I think we can wrap this up by two, hopefully. So we talked about Louis de Cruz, who I'm not, I'm not familiar with. But somebody kind of was like out shocked that I was like exposing that he was lying, I guess, but I'm not familiar with his work. But I made this point before. On the 25th, and I think this was in, I think the show before last, I simply pointed out here, let me just grab that since we're, oops. You guys can watch the full show if you'd like to. This one, I believe. Or no, this one believe so any case with one of them i think i'll include that one the point here is that what he says at the time on the 25th he said i have just seen the video of the palestinian terrorist cutting open the belly of an israeli pregnant woman while she was alive forcibly kept awake to not fade away and remove her unborn baby i'm at a loss for words now he's talking about the same information that's being presented in these screenings that's what he's talking about I will publish the video soon on October7th.org for everyone who wants to see it. But for now, I have to step away for a couple of days of this madness. I'm done. Now, my point was, we went to look at the website on that day. Didn't see it. Oh, this was three days afterward, actually. Wasn't there. I went to the very bottom. It took forever. There's a million things on there. 90% of them completely unverifiable. And the ones that are don't actually get into any of the atrocity stuff they claimed happened. But here's my point. As of today, he still has not posted this alleged video. You know, and the video or the claim is of the thing we can literally prove comes from what they're, what they murder of Palestinians at the hands of Zionists decades ago. One of the most horrific things you could possibly imagine. That was floated early, remember, by one of these settlers right around the same time as the 40 beheaded babies, neither of which happened. He hasn't posted this yet. This being a claim roundly admitted to being false. 
And now even others at this very screening held by Israel are openly stating that not only was this not shown, for sure not shown, but also no proof of most of the major claims. Here is Owen Jones, one of the journalists that was there, and his point, as it says here, this person just repeating what he's talking about, no proof ahead of babies. This is in the screening that other Israeli journalists have claimed they watched and walked away saying, it proves everything, the babies and the rape and everything we've seen. And now we've got journalists going, that's none of it was there. And no, no Hamas killing children, no proof of rape, no proof of beheading humans alive. And even on the record, Hamas asking Israeli partygoers if they were soldiers or civilians. Think about that for a second. Now, he is telling you that he didn't see any of it. He then calls a U.S. journalist who was there and said, do you see that? Said, no, I didn't see that. He then calls a British journalist and said, did you see that? No, I didn't see that either. So you've got different, multiple journalists from different parts of the world admitting that they did not see any of the things that these other people, like this guy, are claiming they saw. This is insidious. These people are lying about horrible things, even things they claim they saw, or the, 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 the discussion of the rape discussion in general. Right? We've already talked about this ad nauseum. The image they deleted from the website that they've been throwing around that was from 2022. And, and, and the admission by their own forensics team saying that we didn't take any evidence, which means they never proved it even happened. And yet the people are saying, I saw that in the grass. I was there. They're provably lying, guys, which doesn't mean everybody is, but it means that we have to be honest about this. There are people being put to the task of knowingly lying. Now, if they, which we can prove which then means that if they have to force people or coerce or ask them to lie about these things, why would we believe they're real? Why would we believe they have evidence for that if they have to pretend they've seen the evidence? Now, here's what he goes on to say. This is from uh, today. The Palestinian barbarians even raped corpses, cut off women's breasts, and strutted around with severed heads. These are the same things we've heard from day one from these propagandists. Five weeks after Hamas pogrom on October 7th, even again, th- imagine continuing to frame this as the worst atrocity while ignoring the bombing and killing of 6,000 children plus. Even experienced Israeli investigators are shocked and brutally, so he's telling us. And you know what this all comes from? A, a, a random s- image of that screening room. See my point? This just continues to build. And we're going, look at the, we were there and I saw it, even though other journalists have said that wasn't happening. I didn't see that. One of the people that was saying, actually, we saw children executed. No, he said, they they did not show that. Then that's why he double-checked. Maybe I missed it. Nope, I didn't see that either. So he's putting this out again. Why would you, why, what's the point of this post? Repeating the things you claim you saw and then giving you an image that proves none of that. What it does prove is here's IDF saying these things. In brief, in brief, a briefing for journalists, Israel police explained the difficulties. It is the largest mass atrocity in Israel's history. They cut off the, the, the stating these things. What kind of absolute follower blindly takes what they're telling you at face value? Now we have this coming out as well. Christine Kench from Politico and Welt. So she reached out saying, 
Hey, this is Christine from Welt. We're about to publish, she claims, an article with evidence for widespread sexual violence from Hamas. So get ready for another propaganda push against Israeli women, men, and children. So now we're claiming that they raped women, men, and children? Furthermore, there are indications, documents, and testimonies. Documents? It says that Hamas fighters were given orders to rape people. Ah, so now we're right back in the, they, they, told, they directed them to rape people in Libya, in Ukraine, Russia. Oh, you mean the stories that have all turned out to be false? Every single one of them? And no way does that mean it doesn't happen. You know why I know that? Because it's on the record in a court of law that soldiers were forced and ordered to rape people in Iraq by U.S. military officials. That's on the record, guys. That's been admitted to. Interesting, isn't it, that we can prove that there, but yet that gets floated by these same people and it continues to turn out to be false? They gave them Viagra to rape people. No, they lied about that in both places. So that bringing it to this point, as I've said, I'm not saying this did not happen. What I'm saying is to this day, very moment, they have yet to prove any of it. According to their own forensics teams, according to international journalists and, and human rights, or, or the UN has reported by saying we need to conduct an investigation, which now they finally said, well, good, knowing that they weren't going to win that battle. Now, it says Israel's own physicians for human rights explicitly rejected these interrogations, confessions, saying we have not relied on accounts recorded in these videos due to severe concern that interrogations included the use of torture. Even their own people know that they will torture them to get what they want out of them. So they're not using that in the investigation to find out whether it actually happened. But Welt is sure as hell going to, from Germany, of course, sure as hell going to put out an article that says everything Israel said happened as fact. There is no evidence. Their forensic team have admitted that the time passed. They didn't get it. They don't know. So all the best we're going to get is the repetition of the same things. Now, if you want to understand why this is going to continue to happen, the cradle breaks down the cradle. The absurd cradle they showed us, the baby crib. Israel claims that the baby crib presented to Elon Musk during his visit was caught in the middle of a Hamas attack in the with a child inside. After analyzing the footage, the Turkish, the Turkish Communication Center for Combating Disinformation, interestingly enough, determined not only that the cribs showed no signs of damage, but also that the shell casings allegedly fired by Kasim fighters were not in the crib when the governor of New Jersey visited. Oh, no. Man, sort of like when the BBC came and they said, oh, there's extra guns. You didn't have them. Oh, we found more. Oh, but the box wasn't there. Oh, uh, like they're staging these things in a very clumsy fashion and everybody's seeing through it. Furthermore, as we pointed out, and I think Steve pointed out to me, the shell casings, oh, actually not this point, but are 7.62 by 5.1 ammunition from the MG3, a Merkava machine gun. This aligns with previous recent reports that show that Israeli forces fired, look at that, on themselves leading to the wide-scale devastation caused by the settlements. So really what that says to me is not that that's the crib that was there, but rather they took out the ammunition from their own guns and threw it in the crib and said, see, they're fired on the crib. Like this begins to, ask, like this either means that they want us to see through this, or this is always how ridiculous they've been. And it's only because of their influence over our governments and the media that they've ever gotten away with any of this. I kind of think it's somewhere in the middle, but my God. Lie after lie after lie. 
Now, what's interesting is on that note, we need to understand how invasive this is. We keep pointing to things like the ADL or APAC, for example, in regard to lobbying. Nina Turner from the from former former state senate says it's wild that this is allowed. And what you're looking at, Netanyahu meeting with an a, an American lobbying group. Shocking, I know. It's supposed to be racist to make that argument, but there they are, right? That's why it's always been really stupid to argue it's racist to point out that they're using their lobbying group to influence policy, which, by the way, is literally what lobbying groups do. But of course, if you point out Israel's lobbying group is doing that, that's racist. Sort of like acknowledging their crimes are, 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 is racist. <laughs> really, it turns out that anything that exposes Israeli government actions as a bad thing, coincidentally enough, turns out to be racist. What do you know? What an interesting overlap. My God, this is terrifying, guys. This is an American lobbying group that actively, and by the way, if not the one of the most powerful in this country, who actively lobbies our government and bribes them, which is what lobbying is, to act in certain ways. Our politicians is meeting with a foreign government. That's a, that, That's the point. And that should be terrifying. If anybody else was, if this was any other government or any other lobbying group, this would be a crime. As you said, it's wild this is allowed. And here's an interesting point. Not only is this group meeting with foreign governments to discuss what they want so they can lobby our government, this very lobbying group then goes out to petition you, calls you directly, which, by the way, is a very real thing, and asks you to tell what they, they say, what they want you to say to your government, and then even goes, we'll call them, stay on the line. Guys, there's nothing about this. This is not that is not terrifying. Oh, and just the, the actual the tweet says, "What to do if APAC calls you? APAC called to connect with me, and to connect me with my congressman Ted Lieu." Okay, who's that? The American Israel Public Affairs Committee. Okay. Who's that? Now, what do you guys, are you, are you selling something? No, sir, we're not selling that thing. I'm calling to mention, you know, Hamas terrorists butchered. I'm sorry, are you a salesman? Sir, can you hear me? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, what do you guys sell? Are you an investor? I'm not, can you hear me? I'm not a salesman. Okay. I'm trying to mention something really quick for you. I mean, I mean, look, you got to note this person has a harsh accent, but yet works for an American lobbying group. children, so your member of Congress needs to hear a clear message that mm -hmm. the U.S. government must stand with Israel. So he, they didn't ask his opinion. They just said this happened, and you must ask your government for this. Isn't that isn't that alarming? Can I transfer you to Representative Ted Lewis office? Yes. That way, so you can tell them you want to stand up to Israel and it's fight against them. Thank you so much for saving the children, you know. I mean, yes, please yeah, transfer yeah. me. Yes. Okay. That's great. Now, uh, now, what would happen next? Just a moment. I'll transfer you to representative, your representative office, okay? So whether you reach a live person or answer machine, tell the office your name, where you live, and that you want to stand with Israel and fight against terrorism, okay? I mean, this is just so creepy. Like, you might as well just speak for him. 
You're literally in a very aggressive way calling people and condi- and telling them, I'll connect you to your representative. This is what you should say and how you should say it. So bear me one moment. Um, I'm going to transfer you now. So the next voice you hear will be someone in your representative's office. So bear me one moment. I'm still on the line with you, okay? Hi, I'm calling. I'm calling on behalf of the, all the civilians that been killed, and you know we need to call for an immediate ceasefire because you know this massacre, of genocide is being committed by the Israeli government against the Palestinian people is absolutely insane. So the the congressman, we asked the congressman to do whatever he can. He's my representative. And my family living in Gaza right now being being killed by the war machines we're making think about that too this is a lobbying group with absolute i mean classless whatever like like it matters calling a person whose family is in gaza and telling them to petition his government on behalf of israel so i would ask the representative to actually call for a ceasefire my, now I'm surprised. I've, I wait. I was half expecting, like, because they said they were on the line still. I was half expecting them to hang up the call for him, <laughs> but it didn't happen. He basically just goes on to say exactly what you'd expect. It's just, it's alarming that this is something that we don't. It really does show that there is. I mean, if we people talk about Russia and China, which, by the way, we should be concerned about any government invasively trying to influence or surreptitiously involving themselves in what happens in this country. But it's amazing that we can do that and care about that, but watch it happen. But because your politicians are still so completely overtaken by this entity that we, they just go, no, it's good. They're our ally. So we don't care about it. Even though what they're doing on the record is in the interest of the other government and not you and not your country and what you want with your tax dollars, which is what's funding what's happening. It's, it's dangerous. Now, again, they love to call that racist. It's not. It's about a Zionist government or any government influencing your government's policy. That's it. I mean, it's quite clearly what I'm saying. They'll just try to make it about Jews or make it about whatever makes you think I'm racist. Even though I've never made that claim. And in fact, it's quite obvious by all of my work I've done since I've started doing this, that's exactly the opposite. But that's all they can do. That's why it's obvious they've failed in this information war because they have no substance with which to argue against what we're saying. They just say, you're a racist. Now, Sam Hussaini points out in regard to her question, Nina Turner saying it's wild is allowed. Well, he says it's allowed because APAC got around being labeled a foreign agent. The anti-Zionist American Council for Judaism wrote to then Attorney General RFK in, 1960, in 1963 about their fight against the American Zionist Council, which would form APAC. RFK tried to pursue it, but after JFK was killed, didn't have much pull. Then LBJ dropped the matter. Now, you damn well better be able to read between the lines. I think it's very obvious the, the Israeli influence on all of this stuff. It's very telling that the person who was trying to make this happen suddenly got removed from the situation. And of course, the point was that they were very clearly recognizing the issue. And the moment he got pulled out, it went the other direction. That's American history for you right there in a nutshell. When it, when it comes to wars and Israeli influence. Now, to finish in general, I want to talk about some of the, the other manipulations coming out in regard to the people that have been released. You get people like this, these egregious propagandists. So think about how crazy it is. They wrote a point now where the beginning was 
they've murdered everybody. They just wanted to kill as many civilians as possible. They beheaded all the children, raped everybody. That's, that's everything. It was all about everybody. Everybody was killed, which again, I think they did not expect any of these people to come home, which is why they shot at all of them as they left. And so that was the narrative. Because if they all died, it's very easy to say they murdered everybody. But then they started coming home and they started waving and shaking hands and smiling and telling you they were treated nicely. So what do you, what does the narrative become? Look at how alarming this is. Look at how it looks like they might not really mean it. My God, they're terrorists. Sure, maybe you're right. Maybe they don't really mean it. Maybe they're scared. Like, But think about how embarrassing this must be for D.L.I. David. To have gone from the idea that, look, these people were all murderers and terrorists. To be like, look at how she's kind of maybe not smiling all the way. Oh, my God. As this person says, well, and what he says is, at gunpoint which nobody's pointing their guns at anybody. So I think he's just, anyway, dumb. But I says, smile and wave or you'll die. What would you do? Well, somebody goes, well, what happens when they're saying the same thing from their home? Like literally everybody has been saying, every one of them, when they're speaking of their own accord, has said they were treated kindly, that they didn't do anything wrong to them in the, in the context of once they were taken. Obviously, they're civilians. The ones that are, that's a crime. Here is what we get. Stuff like that. Very flimsy, half-hearted things, which are just your basic opinion of what you're looking at, when they then go on to say, I was treated kindly, when they leave. He's just trying to manipulate people who are just willing, Twitter file people, who are going to see one thing and go, well, that convinces me, with no further investigation. He's aiming at the lowest common denominator, which, by the way, is what Israel thinks we all are, clearly based on their flimsy propaganda. But this other complete propagandist who's been doing the same thing as Eli David, they just keep putting out stuff like this. This is my point, the same point. Because most of these kids were smiling later or went on to say everything was fine, what do they do? Creates a story around it, which we can't verify. So you give a, you get a picture that just of kids, handing and they're handing them water. And what does she add to it? The context. Hamas sadistically abused the child hostages. <laughs> well, there's literally no evidence of that, and every one of them has said they were treated kindly. But she wants to tell you why they're, what they're that they're lying, apparently. So now you're, you're, you're accusing your own hostages as, as being liars? It says terrorists burned or and or and Yagali's legs. I, know, I think maybe his name is Or. With a motorcycle exhaust so that if they got away, they'd be identifiable by, identifiable by the burn marks. Oh, thanks, Avian. Well, nobody else is making that claim, so I guess we'll just pretend that you're just... where You heard that from the children? They're not saying that, so where'd that come from? Like, how do we even know that's the case, seeing as how this image shows nothing of the kind? What if they just got burn marks as they were on the motorcycle when they took them to the place where they kept them in good, warm areas with food and medicine and whatever else that's happening, per what they've said? This just feels desperate as hell. And this person goes on to say, yeah, they're all, you're all are Israeling all my memes. These people are clearly, at the very least, and again, they've left and continue to say otherwise. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. Eli David says, Mia Shem was abducted by Hamas animals. When in captivity, she underwent a surgery by a veterinarian. 75% of Palestinians support Hamas massacre. That's not true, by the way. A nation without a moral compass. A nation? You mean an occupied territory? Clown. A nation that has lost touch with a civilized humanity. God, think about the desperation as you're ignoring the most obvious genocide in history. But here's the main point. First of all, what you're actually, this is the kind of the same idea. 
They killed them all and raped everybody becomes, well, they gave them medical treatment, but not the right kind. Terrorists. Okay, weird walk back. So you're now letting us know that they treated them, but because it wasn't the right kind of treatment, that that's evil? What about when you're not giving anybody treatment in the prisons in Israel, or as per Israel? See, see what I mean? Like, this is getting bad. Worse than it was, but it was bad to start. But here's how it gets even worse. Guess what she's saying now that she's released and at home? The opposite. People uh, very good, very kind to me. All of them food good and the kindness and everything good. Yeah, so they treated me kind and everything was fine. What she said. That was the one. They're both smiling, sitting right there. Now, realize in this conversation in general, this is not to imply in, in, to mean that nothing bad happened or that nothing bad could happen. It's just trying to engage honestly with what we're looking at and what they continue to say, not going off what some random propagandist says they said or meant. It's just getting really bad. Laughing. That's the one. That's 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 the one he's trying to highlight. So let's watch the full thing. You tell me if these people, like, look, it very well could be the case that they're scared and that they asked them to wave. I wouldn't say that's false. I don't know, but what I do know is that the general, the body of all of it, wildly contradicts what they're trying to push desperately. Right. See, they're making that look weird with the way they clipped it. Right. Look again. Just based on the way it looks, they don't look uncomfortable at all. But if you clip it weird and you make it pot like that, that's what I think they're trying to do. Now, the most important part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice term of endearment on the way out. Totally. But the most important part is they're all continuing to say that they were treated kindly. Weird how Eli David doesn't talk about that part of it. Look, I mean, look at how, look at how malicious and surreptitious this is. Just trying to frame it in a way that makes them like, so you hate these people too. That, that's seeming clear to me. You hate these people because they don't tow your line. Now here's Louis de Cruz coming in with his propaganda. Just the same person. It's disgusting anti-Semitism. He says, what? Well, according to media reports, the Iranian delegation left negotiations at the United Nations climate conference in Dubai a couple of minutes ago in protest against the participation of the representatives of the Israeli state. Okay. Anti-Semitism or anti-genocide or anti-anything Israel's government has done that has a thousand reasons Iran has to be upset with them. But of course, the only thing you can call it is they hate Jews because this is the only card you have left to play. Now, for all I know, that might be true in some cases, but the reality of trying to pretend that they're walking out on a delegation that involves Israel with all that's going on is only about anti-Semitism is just laughably stupid. And here's the same point. Same guy going out of his way to lie to you. It says, there was somebody with a swastika at the pro-Palestine rally. 
at, and of course, at a pro-Palestine terrorist protest. <laughs> it's just no, it's so clumsy. And you know what we're looking at? This is hilarious, by the way. Okay. You get this very sideways glance. He's hoping that you're not smart enough to pause it and look that it says Israeli military. Right. So your best effort is to try to pretend that these are people in Palestinian protest that are proudly Nazis. What they're doing, bud, is making you understand that Israel's military are acting the way that we understand Nazis acted. But they just can't. That's the best they've got. And you can see the other side of the sign goes on to say, save Gaza and genocide. But he wants you to think they're all Nazis. They don't even hide their intentions anymore. This is really, really clumsy. And of course, he's Mr. Supporting Ukraine as well. Now, if you want to pick another couple of great articles, you've probably already seen, but this is from Robert from the 30th. The BBC claims to be impartial, continues lying about Gaza and Hamas bases and hospitals, exposing Israel's propaganda. And lastly, to finish in general, just understanding that this is another example that they knew or possibly knew, again, because this could all be, you know, question everything. But Decentral News points out, get out of town. Israel knew Hamas's attack plan more than a year ago, according to New York Times. A blueprint reviewed by the Times laid out the attack in detail. Israeli officials obtained Hamas's battle plan more than a year before, according to documents. Israeli authorities, codenamed Jericho Wall, outlined point by point exactly the devastating invasion. invasion. It says the bottom... A methodical assault designed to overwhelm the fortifications around the Gaza Strip, take over Israeli cities, and storm key military bases, including division headquarters. Now, this more and more continues to make me think that that's because Netanyahu was part of the plan. There's just no way you don't, don't with everything, with Egypt warning, with IDF members more than once telling their people they saw them getting ready with a plan that they knew they had a year ago. And... 15 points with nobody there for hours on end, a checkpoint right between the kibbutz and where the Nova people were coming from. As we now know, they shot them. This was a false flag plan. I, I really did. I genuinely think that to what degree to everything that happened. I don't know, but the atrocity propaganda is that that's why this begins to make more sense than ever. I, I again, some of this was lied about, but I think some of these things were conducted by people to make it look like Hamas. Here. Freddie Ponton points out, Israeli Squadron 161, which operates Israel's Zeke drone fleet, now have details that the drone fleet played a role in October 7th, including in the main location of Kibbutz Be'ere. They were the first aircrafts to respond to the attack. And guess what? They targeted their own settlements, their own bases, and their own people. All of this is continuing to come out. These are direct reports. You guys, it's very clear what happened. And here's again, Mr. Propagandist. After consultation with the military rabbinate and the chief rabbinate hundreds of vehicles will be buried according to israel in the next few days louis de cruz breaking down that they're going to bury all the evidence we already told you this but just to show you that they're now trying to frame the narrative the way they want you to think it seems it doesn't almost kind of seem like all these people are just trying to pick up the damage control after all the reports we're doing israel plans to bury the cars of terror victims no not all of the bodies of october 7th victims have been found yeah, I think we know why. I think it's obvious now that these things were, basically we know that they removed things, whether this is about organ trafficking too, but the idea ultimately we know these bodies were burned alive, 
many of them because of the bombings that some of them were tried to be used or they even as the gray zone reported one of the bodies was taken out of a car put on the ground and they removed her clothes to claim she was raped but the rigor mortis makes it very clear that her arms were like somebody sitting in the car of a chair this is grotesque man but we need to understand what they're capable of it says and some will never probably be found why would you say that that seems like a really strange statement Unless it is that we know they won't be found because we're making sure of that because they were the ones that were the most obvious. In order to give, te- why, why are they burying all the cars without any investigation? Because the cars prove that they bombed with munitions that Hamas did not have. It says, in order to give relatives a form of farewell, Israel is thinking about an extraordinary ceremony. Oh, right, pretending like it's about them. Wouldn't it matter to find out the truth, which is what they're all demanding? For the first time since the, f- the founding of the state, Israel wants to bury the cars of the murdered. This is like it's some kind of ceremony. This is a straight-up cover-up. There is a sad reason behind this. According to the Zaka organization, which provides a- a- aid after attacks, there are no remains for the body parts of many of those killed. How does that make sense to anybody? During the investigation into the barbaric attacks, Zaka came to the shocking conclusion that not all of the remains were there. A large proportion of the victim cars have blood stains or ashes on them are difficult to impossible to recover in order to pre- preserve the peace of the dead as best as possible. We're going to bury all the evidence. That doesn't even make sense to me. I want it's just Hasbara stuff. In my opinion, now we're going to end with your daily reminder Torah Judaism, important remarks from rabbi Yisrael David Weiss, making sure you understand that Zionism is not Judaism is a mere hundred odd years. It was a movement of Jews who were estranged from the Torah, who detested the Torah and tried to transform this Judaism into Erzatz Judaism, a new Judaism, which is pure nationalism, material concept of having an army, uh, uh, Olympic team, and to be a nation proud amongst other nations, totally removing in its essence uh, the concept of godliness, removing God from uh, from the equation, and they will allow religion. They say. Or- now realize what he's talking about is the, is the Zionist entity. It doesn't necessarily apply to every Jew living in Israel, but his point is that what they've created leads them astray from what they believe is true Judaism. And I I, I agree with that. But they, how far they do or don't, but they are, have hijacked the name Israel. They've hijacked the whole. Uh, um, uh, Judaism to legitimize and to put a facade of that it's kosher, that it's uh, godly, what they're doing when in truth it contradicts Judaism and it's totally forbidden. And I'll explain why with God's can, help. can you, before we go to break, so can you be a, a can you be Jewish and an atheist? Of course not. It's ridiculous that Judaism is belief in God. That's what it's all about, a covenant with God. It's not a national. And this is getting into the, what they constantly coin out is the conflation of the state of Israel with Judaism, as if you can somehow culturally be Israel or uh, um, Jew, uh, a Jew. The idea is it's a religion. That's the point. The Zionist state of Israel has tried to create some kind of national ideology around this. That's what plenty of people, Avi Shalom and plenty of historians and, and experts around the topic have made very clear. It is a manipulation of Judaism. It's people are finally starting to see this. Nationalism, it's not some type of a country that you can be uh, a de- Of course not. It's ridiculous that Judaism is belief in God. That's what it's all about, a covenant with God. 
It's not a nationalism. It's not some type of a country that you can be a, a Democrat, you can be a, a, a Marxist or something. Well, Zionism exactly, is exactly that. They were Marxists and they claim to be Democrats and they proudly claim that, they're, that they're, you don't have to be a practicing Jew and, and, and to be a good Jew as long as you're supporting the state. So that of itself shows the heresy and the blasphemy in what this is. But there's much more to what we're talking about, um, the issue of Zionism. And I would really have to elaborate a little bit on what this is, uh, on, on what Zionism, how in every facet it rebels against God and it, um, it, it, is, uh, uh, it, it is rooted in heresy and in, in, in non-belief in God and in doing evil, basically. Now, that's why it's so important to understand that I do believe that there are religious extremists within this with ideology. But overall, I believe that most of them are very aware that this is more of a ploy. I, I think that's important to understand, but I don't think it's all across the board. But that's my opinion. So here is another point about censorship, and this is where we're going to end. We shared this video, Torah Judaism says, on our TikTok account today, and it was claimed that the video was against the community rules. Of course, right after the new bill of anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, right? It's not. It's a ridiculous lie. It's like saying, believe all women, as if they can't lie, or as if you can't see that Zionism is a problem without also being a racist. It's just so ridiculous. But he says, what we don't understand is how this video could violate the rules. Since TikTok is an anti-Semitic and censorous platform, we will, we will reconsider whether to post on TikTok or not. Here's what the video is. And therefore, we are here today to proclaim, one, Judaism is not Zionism. Judaism is a holy religion. Zionism is a heretical political nationalist movement. Two, Israel is not the state of the Jewish people. It's the state of the Israeli people. Three, Israel does not represent the Jews and does not speak in their name. And four, Jews are not responsible for the actions or the ideology of the state of Israel. Right, that last one's important for the average people that somehow think that Jews are the source of all problems, right? And that, that is exactly what Zionism wants from you. They also add to this, they say, we closed our account of TikTok after this. Even the fact that it banned the first video we published is proof that TikTok is a platform hostile to Jews. Now, I think what's interesting is that I don't, I, I, would, I, I would frame it more about the fact that it's blindly supporting of Zionism, right? Like, and that, but I think that's what they're trying. They're trying to use the, our, the same kind of narrative back, I guess, but you, you can think of it how you want. Either way, I agree with the overall sentiment. And this is why I think this is happening, as we just showed you. Massey was the only one, by the way, even to uh, Talib only voted present, which is just, I mean, if you're a Palestinian out there, that should outrage you as the only Palestinian representative. And she can't even vote no against this. It's insulting. I think that shows you that all of them, maybe even Massey, for all we know, is just simply playing the game. But he voted no. Only really, if there's anybody right now in any position of power in Congress that I think is, you know, possibly, and it's a very small possibility, might actually care about some things, it'd be Massey. But I quite frankly, I'm so jaded with this. I don't think any of them are. He cast a lone vote against the bill that equates anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism. So right now, they, they're, they, you can argue you're breaking the law, but by the way, which contradicts the Constitution, which therefore, per the Supreme Court, makes it null and void, Mayberry versus Madison. So let's bring it to court. We'll win. But of course, they, assuming the judicial system is actually honest anymore, which I don't think it is, but 
it's all continuing down this path where they're trying to ju- they're trying to desperately hide our speech because they're losing the information war. And this is happening in Ireland. Is addressing the extremist content online like hate speech and incitement to violence. And Commissioner Naman is Ireland's new online safety and media regulator and will also be joint regulator along with the European Commission for the EU Digital Services Act. My department has ongoing engagement with Ancomishun and I, having met them two weeks ago, met with Ancomishun again yesterday for an update on last week's events and they informed me that they had engaged immediately with the large platforms and with the Gardaí and the European Commission and that the platforms had activated their instant response plans and their engagement is continuing. On Commission is calling for those who see hate speech or other illegal content online to report it to the platforms or to Angarda Shiakana. Right, so they're saying if you see hate speech, whatever that means to you, call the police and we will put them in jail. Right. So this is this is what we've been warning about long before even COVID. The idea of rationalizing that your words are violence. This is important for the agenda to stop people like us from being able to inform you. You know, all the endless amount of things that we told you while the government and the media told you otherwise that have then later come to pass. Our track record is astounding. And I look, I'm proud to say that. That's, I mean, it is me patting myself on the back, but guys, my record there, you can look at it. We have been calling many different things long before they happen. And a lot of other people have too. The point is that they're trying to stop us from doing it, even though our record shows you that we've been right more often than not. Because they don't want you to be informed. They want you to be shut down. They're trying to tell you that if you say Zionism is a problem, that you can be put in jail, not just censored. This is happening everywhere you look in places like Ireland that I think a lot of these people in even in Congress, some of them anyway, are are openly speaking out. I think this is where we're going to go next because they can't control this. And we're already seeing some of this happen. Here's one of these, the guys we mentioned earlier. AI and war it is, he says. Of course. Almost, see, look, almost admitting they're using their AI system to murder people. It's like almost like they're taunting it, taunting you in front of your face. He says, Marie Campbell is gone. Target eliminated. No ceasefire on the internet. Yeah, because calling for ceasefire is terrorism, right? These people are literally, like, you, calling for a ceasefire means an end to hostilities on both sides. These are people asking for murder. And they're framing people calling for ceasefire as terrorists. Like, think about how how just bizarro world that is. And that means everybody with a brain can see right through it. But most of them are too afraid to not say anything or too afraid to push back against it. Marie Campbell, who wrote, I'm not a facial expression expert, but judging by the look on her face, on her eyes, that's that same picture of the girl who's clearly giving an endearing look to this boss member. Simply says, by the expression on her face, I'd say it looks like appreciation and thanks. Might it be that she is saying thanks for being treated unexpectedly well whilst in captivity? How in the world are you arguing that is a violating term? While you have these people lying blatantly, which by the way shouldn't be censored, or posting graphic and disgusting imagery, and she gets censored for simply going, she doesn't look like she was hurt. Looks like they might have treated her well. How dare you point out the obvious? censored and this person responds by saying how is censorship something to be proud of on a platform that claims not to censor you're pathetic and so too are the platforms allowing it but pretending they're not and here's her account 
suspended. I'm telling you guys, I, I see the writing on the wall. I feel like it's coming our way next. I feel like it's going to be happening soon. But the interesting thing is how we've never changed, and yet we are censored, then we're back, and then we're censored, then we're back. Interesting. Sort of how from day to day we were a right-wing shield and a left-wing shield and a right-wing shield, a China shield, a China shield, Russia shield, or China. Just back and forth and back and forth, even though the point is we maintain. I mean, my opinions have changed over the year to some degree, but we're not the ones changing. It is the what's important that day to the narrative. Like when we were on COVID discussion, sort of like with many of these people, everyone seemed like we're all high-fiving. We're all on the same side. Then the Israel conversation starts and it's like, you've changed completely. It's like, or you just never looked at what we've been saying about Israel the entire time because it's obviously a very dangerous entity in the world, the Zionist government. And it's on full display for everybody. And that's too late. The cat's out of the bag. You can't go back to that. Even people, even inside the establishment are now arguing that the U.S. government is vying, you know, kind of weighing the options. And as soon as they're done murdering all these people, they're going to do what they need to do and get rid of Netanyahu, which, by the way, implicitly, clearly implies they're going to allow the genocide. And when the genocide's done, then we'll do something about it because they care about people, don't they? God, it just disgusts me. This topic is so harsh. It really is. It weighs on me. But it's important. It's important to continue to highlight the reality. And just like any other topic we've covered in the past, without fear of being labeled something you're not, which will happen every single time, which is why I think we're ahead of these stories, because we don't you know, put our finger in the air and go, "Is it right? can we do it? Are we going to get censored? Or is it going to happen? Are they going to yell at me? Am I going to be called a racist? The truth matters. At all costs. And if we can't be on that page just yet, maybe you shouldn't be in this field. Push for the truth. Stand by the truth. And the truth, I argue, will protect you. I mean, obviously not in every case all the time, but I think the reality is that if we all continue to stand by it, as we're seeing right now, their allegations fall flat. There's a lot of people in the world that, you know, don't really invest in this stuff like we do. That have different things they find important, but aren't stupid. And aren't just swayed by the two-party paradigm. There is a huge portion of people like that. And the moment that we just continue to show them and there's enough information in front of them, they see it. We're watching it happen right now. Largely because the other corporate sources they may look at are kind of also saying certain things. But we can change understanding with excellent work, sourced well, and dedication. Stay the course and keep showing people. Guys, I'm telling you, we're changing things. And yeah, they're going to try to rope us back in with another agenda, like Off Guardian rightly warned about. But we should still take the wins where we can get them and remain skeptical. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.